Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we are here once again for episode 26 of the Snobcast. And once again with me to talk about this most topic is head writer in charge of the HBIC, Shay Simone. Say what's up. What's up, everybody? And I have my little buddy, if you're watching this on YouTube, which you don't have to because we're also on Spotify. But you can see I brought my little goat friend, Kilroy. He's on the podcast with me today. Oh, Hi, Kilroy. <laughs> we're, we're, also, we're also on Apple Podcasts, but you don't get the cool artwork on that one. Uh, once again with us, we have an absolute hooligan, Nicholas. Say hello. What's good, everybody? How's it going? Yes, yes he is, of course, up to more deviant behavior, as usual. <laughs> and, Always. of course, this show wouldn't be complete without the doctor herself, Dr. Gina Delgado, in the building. Hello. <laughs> How's everybody doing? We are alive, and I don't know why. Uh, <laughs> and as as per usual, we usually have a very special guest, and this is the most special of guests, executive producer of the upcoming short horror short, I'm Everywhere, as well as many other fantastic short films. Ms. Destiny Soria, say hello. Hello, everyone. <laughs> Yay. This month, we decided to go completely bonkers and went with an anime theme. But of course, we had one rule with our anime theme, and it's the same rule we have every goddamn time we talk about animation. And that is that this is a Walt Disney free zone. Thus, Studio Ghibli was outlawed because fuck the mouse. <laughs> Hashtag fuck the mouse. Uh, <laughs> So we all picked some really dope-ass enemies, but Nicholas, of course, uh, as I mentioned, is up to deviant behavior. So we're going to talk about all three of his picks in a row first, and then we'll do our turn-by-turn thing for the rest of us here. Nicholas, give us your picks yeah. either one at a time or all together, and we'll tell you how bad they are. I'm just kidding. All right. Well, I mean, it's kind of hard to say how bad they are if y'all haven't seen them. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, we uh, we got first up, Amon, the Apocalypse of Devil Man. Uh, my other picks were Ninja Scroll and End of Evangelion. I'm going to go into Amon Apocalypse and Devilman first. Uh, so the first one... That's Devilman uh, 3, right? Yeah, there's uh, there's three OVAs uh, from the original. Like, De- Devilman itself is kind of a convoluted series. It was originally created by Go Nagai back in the 1970s. And Imagine really anime a- being convoluted, Nick. Imagine anime being convoluted. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> But, um, like, it didn't have a proper, like, uh, animation of the full manga up until about, like, Devilman Crybaby. So the closest thing we got were the uh, OVAs, which the first one is legendary for how bad it is. But uh, the, thir- the third one is kind of like an alternate ending to the manga. Uh, it's it's not quite one for one. It's, like, a completely different story. But it is... It, it is, oh boy, it is violence incarnate. It is <laughs> one of the most brutal OVAs that you can watch. It, it's only 44 minutes, and, like, it is some of the most brutal 44 minutes of anime gushy goriness that you could possibly watch. But one thing that kind of surprised me when I was re-watching it was there actually is something at the heart of it, which is why like teenage me back in the day I actually connected to it which is was an aspect of it I totally forgot about it it actually has the theme of grief behind it so you know there's a little more than the blood and guts but yeah no the blood and guts are there in space and it's, it's do you really need anything else besides blood and guts though I mean 
I mean, a little bit. I, I, I like a little bit of flavor with the blood and guts. You know, a little <laughs> bit of something extra. I, I don't just like, you know, blood and guts, but I do like a, quite a bit of blood and guts. So. I'm yeah. so, I'm I'm so glad that you mentioned that because a lot of the movies we're going to talk about today have a lot of depth and a lot of really cool stuff going on, but also a lot of gore and, and violence, yes. and that's that's the fun part. Oh yeah, oh, hey. <laughs> and one of these picks even has a little bit of jazz to go with. That's true. Which is going to be fun. So I, I love that you mentioned Devil Man Crybaby because I thought that the enemy was really fucking cool, and so the fact that this is connected to that is it makes me want to go seek out Diova. But yeah, I know. Uh, Devil Man Crybaby, as far as I know, is kind of the most faithful all-around adaptation of the manga, as far as I know. But the OVAs do a pretty good job. And yeah, Amon the Apocalypse of Devil Man, just, ooh, so good. Um, for my next pick, I went with something I hadn't seen before, and that was Ninja Scroll. Yes! The legendary Ninja Scroll. And... Oh, man. Oh, man. It is just, it, it's got that really juicy 90s anime aesthetic. Would you say that it's but, like berserk in a way? Um, I would say it's got more in common with Basilisk. Um, okay. Okay. Yeah. It, that that it makes sense. Yeah. Because it mentions the Koga Ninja Clan and it mentions the Tokugawa regime and stuff like that. Um, so, and also the ninjas have crazy powers, kind of like Basilisk. A lot of it reminded me of Basilisk. Like, if I had to pick another property that it directly, you know, kind of reminded me of. But it was, um, it was pretty, you know, it, it had violence and, you know, some uncomfortable scenes for, you know, certain reasons. But, uh, (laughs) other than that, like, it was, Actually, kind of the most tame of the three that I watched, weirdly enough. <laughs> well, that's saying something because Yo- Yoshiaki uh, Yoshiaki Kawajiri, who's all over this list this, this month, uh, he's not known for subtlety in, in in any aspect. No, and and it wasn't and it wasn't like super like subtle. Like it it, it was just like the most tame in comparison to Mon and End of Evangelion. <laughs> but by no means does that mean that it was like not chocolate filled with violence and gore and all sorts of fun stuff and the characters were really interesting i really got deeply invested in each of their stories it was uh it was an experience and it it really um painted a whole entire picture of this ancient japanese kind of mythological version of you know a historical time you know what I mean? It really painted this really rich picture, but it, it was—it's it, a classic for a reason, one hundred percent. I love that because there's the, the the style is so different because Kawagiri's style varies from project to project as an animator. Because here it's like very classic seventies looking Fist of the North Star style anime, and in one of my picks later on, it's much more of a modern JoJo's Bizarre Adventure anime style. Actual character designs of the characters but um yeah no the the character design this very much so was reminiscent of fist of the north star he had some really big buff dudes with elongated faces and just these really kind of stretched out bodies Mm -hmm. and it it really made for this weird um uncanny valley that 
kind of associated with that style, but also makes everything just a little bit eerie, but also really stylized and awesome. Like it was really good. <laughs> love that. Lo love, love, love that. Uh, anybody, has anybody seen Ninja Scroll? Because I think it's a really cool movie. You've seen it, Destiny. Can you tell us what you think about it? I think it was pretty sick. I really, 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 really love the the characters, the design of the the anime, and the way of the story is actually my actually my favorite part is with um, I don't he's like some kind of rock mut mutant and he and he turns yeah. rock that the scene with him and the girl and the ninja girl was like my favorite because I thought it was like super hot <laughs> in a crazy creepy <laughs> way. <laughs> so I'm like I'm like oh my god. <laughs> But yeah, it's like oh, like all of the scenes were so gory and just crazy kill scenes, and it's just it's just really good. I I, I love it, and it had a little humor to it, so it's like you know I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I think one of my favorite characters was the old bug eyed man, just like his <laughs> crazy little laugh and schemes and stuff. He's like. Eh. Again, you can't be anime without a crazy old man in it. You have to have a crazy no, old man. No, can't. But like this crazy old man Perfect. was like, was he, there was something special about him. He was just an extra <laughs> amount of crazy. <laughs> just a just a just a hinge more unhinged. Yeah, a hinge more unhinged, which made him just all the more lovable for me. Like I, I was he he was probably my favorite character aside from like all the awesome bad guys and stuff because that that movie had a lot of great bad guys. Oh yeah, all the of whatever they they were all fantastic, and they all had cool powers and stuff. So <laughs> that was really cool. <laughs> I love that. That you're off to a good start here with the first two picks, but let's get to that last one. Uh, where oh. We're gonna talk. We're we're gonna talk about your cruel angel thesis on this particular film. Oh, okay. Where do I start with End of Evangelion? End of Evangelion and I have a history because it is. is I would say, especially after rewatching it today, because um, I hadn't seen it in a little bit, uh, it is one of my favorite films of all time, easily. Every frame is, like, if you paused it, could be a legitimate, like, wallpaper on your desktop. It is just so rich with imagery. And it has, like, all sorts of little nuances throughout, little details throughout. For example, uh, when a certain character you know dies via explosion like if you pause it at r just the right time you could see her like literally get split in half like it, it's it's crazy the amount of detail that went into this film but moreover than the details and all that stuff it um it, it's really got something great to say about uh depression or really like uh you know the experience of being depressed like uh I think if you've ever gone through like something in your life and kind of gone through like a really deep, dark depression, like Enda Eva just like dives in, you know, Evangelion as a whole is just great for that. But Enda Evangelion is like the entire series uh, put into like just this, this grandiose finale opera, you know, that just kind of lays everything out on the table. And if you, kind of pay attention to everything that's being said and you know all the little nuances to it and everything you really get this real kind of uh therapy session if i could really say that you know what i mean 
they re- it, it's like it kind of talks you through things of like dang deep I mean, I, what what is your favorite evangelion character and why my favorite evangelion character um I don't know why, but I've always liked uh, Ray for some reason. Like, I've always thought that she was cool. I think, like, the whole creepy, you know, ness that happens with her character, you know, how she's like a clone and everything, and she's, like, finding her humanity and all that stuff. I've always really liked that. Plus, you know, I, I, I like Ava probably the most, the blue Ava. I actually have, like, a bottle of it in my room, so that's that's my favorite. Who's yours? <laughs> Um, hmm. Well, it was okay. So I have seen End of Evangelion, and if I'd never mm-hmm. seen that fucking movie, I would say Miss Masato. But unfortunately, I did see this movie, and there are just uh, there are moments in this film, you know, in juxtaposition to the show because the show has a lot going on and it progresses in a very dark direction. But the things that this film and also the finale of Evangelion bring, the moments that they bring are just very, very strange and very dark and very traumatic. So not Miss Masato, but I would say either the Penguin or Asuka, honestly. Strongest scenes. And even though she's got issues and all that, everyone does. She, I think she she really pulls her weight. And she just she's just doing her best. She's just trying so Asuka is like my least favorite character. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, and she's a brat, but I like. I just I don't know. I I feel. I wonder her. why she likes that character. Yeah, no, it's not like you know she's kind of like her in any way or shape or form or anything. <laughs> what does that mean? An absolute brat. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Like Paris Hilton said, everyone is a princess. Shinji, get in the mech, goddammit. Mm-hmm. No, her literally her my... big harumph, Asuka, she has, like, the best, like, I think, I mean, as bratty as she is, and as, like, annoying and fucking, like, absurd and angry as she is, she, um, she has some of the best scenes in the entire show and the movie. And, oh, um, yeah, like, in the movie, that whole showdown with uh, all the Ava units and all that stuff, that is not only, like, one of the most best animated things I've ever seen, but just in general, it's just so epic. I was watching that today, and, like, that part where she, like, raises out of the water with the boat and the missiles are coming down, I was, like, literally, like, yo, oh, God. <laughs> like, I was cheering. It was fun. <laughs> I, I love that you chose this because I think that Neon Genesis Evangelion is one of the best animes of the 90s. And as a 90s kid, I grew up watching it on Toonami. And then the movie came out in 97, and I was not prepared for that at 10 years old. Who would be, though? <laughs> I don't think anybody is prepared for End of Evangelion the first time they watch it. <laughs> yeah. And you guys know exactly what I'm talking about if you've seen it. The the hospital scene, I had oh, to go yeah. watch it because I was like, "Did they? Did yep. what? Did that mm-hmm. really just happen?" And I was just like, "There's a lot of what the what the hell just so, happened." So Hideki Anno, from what I understand with Neon Genesis, like it all was originally 
kind of supposed to be just your kind of generic mobile suit kind of thing. Mecha. But like as what was that? A mecha. Mecha anime. Yeah. Mecha anime thing. And um you know, throughout like the course of the show, as he was writing it, it became a lot more of like a personalized like therapy session for him as he like was starting to really enter into like a really deep dark depression or something. So that's why it like gets all weird and philosophical halfway through the show and at the end it's literally just a big therapy session and then end of evangelion kind of gives a little bit of context for the ending of the uh the show but not really like it's it's still really bizarre and strange and not to mention um because there are different movies and i don't know if they ever i don't think they ever released another series after did they definitely no it it was uh it was the rebuilds like so they they released the first series and they released evangelion and then i want to say that they released kind of like this weird movie that like just summed up the entire thing and then they you know waited on it for a bit and then i want to say that they came out with like the first couple rebuilds which was kind of retreading the original story and then they went in a whole other direction with the story as the rebuild movies continued so i have no idea i haven't seen the rebuilds but um yeah and also uh when Netflix got a hold of the rights, they uh, completely redubbed the original anime. So the anime that's on there, that's not the original voices and stuff. And uh, with End of Evangelion, I originally thought that I was going to, you know, kind of cringe a little more at some of it because they did change some of the dialogue, but they made it to a lot less cryptic than it was in the original I found. Like, I actually felt more like I understood what was going on with the Netflix redub rather than the original anime movie because in the original, sometimes they would record lines so quiet, you're like, what What did they say? What was that? Huh? And then, like, in this one, it's like, oh, yeah, no, this is that and the other is going on. Oh, no, and it's like, oh, okay. Now I kind of understand. Okay, so this is, you know, it. it, it, it kind of cleaned it up a bit. But unfortunately, they didn't get the same voice actors, which still is kind of like, really, guys? They do that from time to time. I I don't know if you know this, but the original version of My Neighbor Totoro in North America did not have the Fanning sisters in it, as the current dub does. I actually actually have a copy of the original dub on my computer. Uh, And I remember watching it on VHS in the 90s, uh, My Neighbor Totoro, the original cut and they didn't call them dust bunnies in the original they were called soot gremlins <laughs> that's how i remember them and then when i rewatched it uh, a few years ago and they said dust bunnies i was like what the fuck is this what what's it what so i get what you're saying how context can totally change with the redub i mean perfect blues redub is fucking atrocious Ugh. that is a movie that did not need to be redubbed i mean come on it was perfectly fine I am I am all for a great dub performance, but I totally agree with you because I don't know if it was I don't think we saw the dub in theaters, but I I think at one point or another I have seen the dub for Perfect Blue, and it I don't want to be mean and say it was atrocious, but it was just the direction that they took where they had the squeaky voices and it was just too cartoony and too childish. It was just not good. When we watched it, there was a redub, and it's not good. Uh, it's not good. Uh, I wanted to mention Hadaki, uh, uh, Hadaki Yamo, the creator of the series, he's been very busy. 
he even put out a movie this year. Um, so he's been busy doing like Shin Godzilla stuff and lots of lots of kaiju stuff, and he's doing a lot of really cool and interesting uh, things. But the thing that I really found interesting was the movie that he did this year, which is uh, Shin Kamen Rider, um, which just came out last month. It's a uh, it's about a, a grasshopper hybrid cyborg uh, who drives a motorcycle. Hell yeah, I'm all for it. Let's go. That interesting. <laughs> yeah. I really wish I were making this up, but they actually did a, a, a small release here in the U.S. Uh, and it was a, uh, what's that one company that does the, the screenings, the part-time screenings? The, the the event company that works with movie theaters. You know no, what I'm I talking don't. about. They're, they do all the like, like releasing old movies into theaters again. Um, I forget what they called the company, but they did like a limited two day run across the U S of this movie, which is solely in Japanese and not dubbed. Um, and I missed it cause I was busy watching 800 other things, but I like these picks. I, I love, uh, Evangelion. It has one of the most iconic, uh, intro themes of all time in a cruel angel thesis. Oh, easily, easily. And the OST of and Evangelion in particular. Like, it's fantastic. It is, it is so good. I mean, there's there's genuinely some tracks that are so, like, unsettling that it's like, how did they even, like, compose that? That is so, like, it sounds so otherworldly. It's like, oh, it sends a shiver down your spine. And then you get stuff like Calm Susser Todd, which is the... Calm Sweet Death. Yeah. The, uh, uh, the uh, Orange Fanta song if you know what i'm talking about <laughs> i was just gonna i was just gonna highlight that song from the soundtrack too so i'm glad we're on the same page there uh that one and uh escape to the beginning are the two tracks that stand out for me as like wow that's just that's that's oh, i don't yeah. like that i don't like how this makes me feel <laughs> at all i it, it i i love that scene every time like it comes on the come Susu todd scene it just it, it's my favorite scene of the whole movie because it's just so like oh whoa but as juxtaposed to like this, um, you know, very Beatlesy sounding track, and these horrible things are going on, and it's it, it's just awesome. The um, it's, it's terrifying, is what it is. <laughs> which is why I love it. That's that's why I love it. <laughs> I I love these but, picks, Nick. These are uh, yet again great picks. You're gonna have to come in uh, on a month where you don't have band practice, and I can only spend a month with us. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because you're here for like 30 minutes and now you're out. But hey, we're going to have a good time without you talking about some animes. That uh, uh, Was there, uh, and even if you did see them, I'm going to recommend, I'm going to highlight that you rewatch this episode when it goes live so you can hear what we have to say about some of these other picks because there's some really good ones, particularly coming from our guest here. Um, oh, yeah. Bloody uh, Wicked City. Wicked City, that's another one. Demon City, like yes. y'all chose some really good picks. Like I love it, I, I'm, and I'm excited to hear you guys' thoughts on them. And speaking them. of that, Nick, where can people find you if they want to get in touch with your band? Which I, I'll never remember the name of your band because it's fucking sweet, but it's way too long. <laughs> Utilitarian Librarians. Uh, it's F Librarians Music uh, at uh, Instagram. And then for my personal 
or not my personal, my just anything else related to me. It's Nick J Ripley official on Instagram. And they sound like a uh, up to date Iggy and the Stooges. So listen to them. They're pretty fucking cool. I, I do like me some punk rock. Uh, help out a fellow fe- a fellow dirty Salvadorian, uh, just like me. <laughs> uh, make sure you guys check out his stuff. And he's actually going to be in this short film that Destiny is producing. I'm everywhere. He's going to be in the film, and uh, you know. I, I I have it in with the director, so I know I know that it's going to be a good film. At least oh, you yeah. know if the director's talent and other things uh, leaks onto the screen, as I know. I'm I'm excited for this film. It's it's going to be a great great film. I, I I love the script absolutely and completely. It's good stuff. I'm excited. <laughs> love it, love it, love it, and make sure that you guys check out Nick because Nick is super dope. And Nick, you need to get back to work. Uh, not with that, but I'm gonna send you a bunch of stuff tonight to write since I need you to write some okay. stuff. Cool. cool. Sounds good. Bye, Nick. Bye. Bye. Now back to our regularly scheduled program already in progress. And the way we usually do this is when each of us will give one of our three picks at a time. We'll talk about it. And we'll go to the next person. And usually, typically, always, we start with our guests. And that means, Destiny, you're up. Hello. What's your <laughs> first pick? What is your first pick that you want to talk about out of the three you gave Um, us? Wicked City. Because I I, uh, I was interested in Blood Sea series. And I found out they had movies. But I couldn't, like, had time to look for it or find it for free to watch. But, yeah, uh, Wicked City is... It's pretty much kind of like Ninja Scroll, the style of the the design, and you know, it's a. It's also a Kawajiri, so that would be why. Yeah, 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 and this one's more about like the demons that they had like a deal with, you know, humans and demons coexisting, you know, you know, being together and stuff. And I guess some demons don't care to be, you know, be friendly with humans and. So there's like a fight against each, you know, with the humans. And then um, they're trying to protect the one that, you know, co- coexists with them. So it's really cool. And it's, it's it has to do with the old, creepy old man, too. Um, he, you know, he's the pervert. So every anime has a creepy, pervert old man. I want to. Like- <laughs> my fa- it's my favorite trope in all of anime is the creepy old guy. Who could have, definitely kick everyone else's ass. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's it's got a cute humor and it's really like sexy and very dark and just a lot of like um gore in it. Oh, I'm like, well, a little bit. I don't haven't I, I forgot about it and I was just re-watching it, so I'm kind of like in the middle of it. But yeah, it's it's just really, really good. I just I just love styles like that. Like I, I wish they brought those kind of like animes back because it's it's really amazing artwork and stuff like that so yeah the, the artwork is super like it reminds yeah. I, i'm looking at the freeze frames online and it, the artwork looks like like kind of like the artwork that you would see in like hair salons you know what i mean like the the, yeah. the very white the pale. old the old There's, 1990s like duran yeah. duran album cover yes. Style art. yes that yeah. particular art yes yep See, yeah, see, for me, it's like a mixture of that and like film noir, the way that the film shot, it looks very noirish. Um, yeah. You know, even though it's in color, obviously. Yep. <laughs> there's like, like a lot of there's a lot of dark shadows in, in buildings and a lot of like light on eyes only. Mm-hmm. Yep. A lot yeah. of like sharp cut lines. I think that's really fucking cool. I think they were going for like a neo-noir look with this, which yep. wouldn't be the first time Kawajiri would do that. Um and I and I really like this pick and I like how like you mentioned it. It's like devilishly sexy. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. I love everything about it. So I was like, "Ooh, let's do that kind of anime." Because 
nobody knows about it. And some people are like, I don't know, are like, they don't know that this kind exists. And I'm like, it needs to come back. I, I love the, it's so artsy and so sexy and so dark and also like crazy, gory. And, and only everything. 82 minutes long. Yep, yep, yep. So it's like, <laughs> oh, I love those kind of movies. You know, anime, you know, anime movies. But yeah. <laughs> I, and it's a, it's an old school one. This one came out the year that I did, uh, 1987. Yep, uh, yep. A great, great year for film. Uh, we talked about that. I made a whole list of the 10 best movies that came out the year I was born. It's a great, great article. Yeah. We might even do like a, a, a YouTube video on that. And maybe where, where all of us can talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. See? 80s baby here. <laughs> yeah. So this, this, this has that late 80s, early 90s. It's weird because this movie comes along in a weird time for anime because it wasn't, it was past Fist of the North Star, post Akira, but pre-anime pre on TV in America. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Because anime didn't get to TV in America until Dragon Ball Z. Yeah, right. We people were, don't we realize that to, we weren't privy to anime. And when I first discovered anime in the '90s, even with Dragon Dragon Ball Z, like it was like the epitome of what I wanted to watch. I, I can I, tell you, so I, I, I can tell you what your first anime probably was, Gina. What? Fighting evil by moonlight. She's the one who always feels right. She is the one named Sailor Moon. Oh my gosh. Yep, I remember and, that one. Am, am I correct that that was probably the first one that caught? I mean, it's the magical girl to end all magical girl animes. Yep. Uh, yep. You know what it I mean? Captivated me. Yeah. And, and the funny thing is, they just re released it on Hulu in its original form without the four kids uh, oversight. So there's all of the lesbian subplots. I was excited that they finally got the, the Sailor Stars. I was like, yes, I've been waiting for that you know, series to come out. So I got to catch up on all the new ones they have. That's I, awesome. I, I love this first pick because it's such a, a, a great, uh, great choice. And it's such a sexy, like, it feels like it belongs in the era it came out in, but it also feels like it could have been made in the if it were a real person movie, it would have been made in the forties. Mm-hmm. I could I could kind of see that. I mean, what we were saying about the noir aspects of it are so real. Like when I watched it for the first time, I got very um obviously Akira, but then Blade Runner, just mm-hmm. straight up Blade Runner, and then you have the demon aspect. There's also a movie by the director of The Crow called Dark City. Right? That's exactly what I was just going to mention was Dark City vibes all day on this great pick. City wasn't literally inspired by by Wicked City and what was the other one? Demon Demon City? Yeah, you can't tell me that The Crow wasn't inspired by Wicked City. They both have that same neo-noir aspect. I feel like it, it was. I feel like it was. Because like, I was like, when I saw The Crow, I was like, this has like, like, freaking wicked city like anime style back in the day i was like just it just like, it does it just has that style to it and it's, yeah. it's beautifully both the crow and wicked city are beautiful films so oh, yeah. uh, i i love i love the crow i could talk all day about the crow don't get me started on that's the best comic book movie ever made <laughs> <For another episode. laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll die on that hill <laughs> i will die with you on that hill but yeah but no. Destiny, Destiny, that's is- an excellent pick first of all and Shay, of course, once again, impressive with the Dark City pull. Oh, thank you. You pulled that right out of my brain. Good job there. I was thinking about that, too. I was like, 
Park City. We were born like, like, well, not literally days apart, but our birthdays are right next to each other, so it makes sense. We are we are literally one person at some point. <laughs> our brains, <laughs> our brains have melded. It's it, it's kind of frightening sometimes. <laughs> Destiny, that was a great start. You're off to a good one. I can't wait to talk about these other two movies. But for now, we're gonna move on to the doctor because she's in. She has a picture. Oh, she you know. What you got? So I must confess, I could, I could only do two movies this month. It's the beginning of the semester, so I'm crazy. I'm doing crazy things. So the first pick I have, and I'm, I, they're they can't be too. They're so different from each other. It's ridiculous. So it's do we part. want do we want gore or do we want cutesy Japanesey? No, 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 no. Give me the. Oh, oh my god i didn't get to see that one i've seen it before but i haven't been able to see it again so i can't talk about it and i would feel bad talking about it and i i love cowboy bebop so that's embarrassing but if we could talk about it collectively then we can where is it. where is james god damn it that is his favorite movie his favorite anime movie of Cowboy all times is Cowboy Bebop. Cowboy it's my favorite Bebop. anime series of all times, Cowboy oh, Bebop. Oh, same here. I couldn't find it anywhere to, to rent even or to stream. Listen, Spike Tubi? Spiegel is the coolest fucking anime character ever designed. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Agree. So hot. <laughs> he's hot. He's flexible. He's talented. He's intuitive. He got the hair. Like, yep. Yep. I, I mean, Faye Valentine ain't too shabby neither. Oh yeah, Faye's <laughs> great too. I love. Honestly, and Landon were thinking about doing a cosplay of uh, Faye and Spike Spiegel. Aww. Do it. That do would it. be cool. I do it. do it. Do it. You need a little corgi though to carry around. Oh yeah. <laughs> so that, we can't really talk about it because I haven't. Unless we want to talk about it from our memories. Oh, we're talking about it because it's okay. the it's 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 all got right. the. I mentioned that a cruel angel thesis was one of the greatest anime opening themes of all time. This is Tank, which is the theme for Cowboy Bebop, is the greatest anime opening of all time. Without a doubt, I will die on that hill also. Uh, <laughs> Spike Spiegel's the coolest character ever. Mm-hmm. Um, what, is that, what is there to say about the greatest anime series ever assembled that hasn't already been said, and we get an hour and a half of it in one movie? Come on. Oh, yeah. I mean, first yeah. of all, I'm biased, so fuck the Netflix remake. I'm sorry. I tried. It's fine. I was watching it. Um, <laughs> I did. A newcomer to Cowboy Bebop watching the first episode. I was like, this, huh? This isn't it at all. But see, that's what that's what makes Cowboy Bebop so special and so unique. And so um, you just can't replicate that. Like, no. period. And um, who's the creator's name? He's done so much for anime over all of the decades like saw a lot of my favorite anime pieces and series Wantanabe. by him um shit what's his name he told me yeah he shinichi shinichi watanabe watanabe so he's yeah. also done carolyn tuesday he um helped create ergo proxy um shamurai shampoo oh, yeah. uh, yep <laughs> Bunch of he, stuff. He also directed the Animatrix as well, which Kamajiri yep. was also oh, an animator for. It. So Kawajiri was also an animator for Animatrix. So it, it all comes back to Kawajiri again. 
Well, I can say that from Cowboy Bebop itself, it's the style. Like, it, there hasn't been another style that's been compared to it. It's it's literally a cowboy western space opera where if it, it's basically if Han Solo were Japanese. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. And it's like it's like his sort of vibe. It is a Han Solo vibe with, yeah. um, and of course, we all love Ed. Ed and the Corgi. <laughs> we don't. We don't all love Ed. I'll tell you that right you now. You don't love Ed. <laughs> what? No. What? What? You, yes, you no, do. No. Yes, you Ed do. Ed is fine. I Ew. do. Uh, Ed is fine. <laughs> but they should have introduced them earlier into the live action series. Yes, uh, agreed. Which pissed me pissed me off so badly. But yeah. What I agreed. love is that we we talked about bad dubs. Steve Blum is Spike Spiegel. His voice is Spike Spiegel. Like when you hear him speak, all I can see is a cigarette smoke coming from his mouth. Because <laughs> he's so fucking cool. Even when he does other projects, you're like, nope. That's Spike. <laughs> and the jazz, like the music itself matches the anime so well, even though they come from a completely different culture. Jazz comes from a completely different culture. It's just added so well. It gives me, I don't know, like it, it, Cowboy Bebop is not gory, but it's, I don't, it's smooth. It's stylish. It's, it's literally a Marlboro Red. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> and and not only does it have the greatest opening theme, it has one of the best closing themes in the real folk blues. What the music is absolutely incredible in this fucking movie and this goddamn series. And of course, that end tagline, <laughs> which is amazing. See you, Space Cowboy. Space Cowboy. Gets me every time. Apparently, the music that was composed for Cowboy Bebop um, was performed by a band called The Seatbelts. Yep. And it uses a mixture of Western opera and jazz, but also adds Arabic elements as well. So it's like super, super worldly. Listen, that that bass line on Tank is very like Arab. That then you hear that snare drum over the top oh so good it's just it's like a a punch in the face and then you're like yes punch me again and that's also a thing about hanabe's works is he always hooks it up with the he works with the best soundtrack art soundtrack artists and he always involves the best movie like best music and music musical references as well. Like, isn't I don't know if it's Cowboy Bebop per se, but I know Carolyn Tuesday for sure. He named every episode after a song that actually exists that relates to the theme of each episode. I think he did that for Cowboy Bebop though. Carolyn Tuesday does in fact have uh every episode named after a song. Episode one is Cindy Lauper, episode two is a Springsteen title. I mean yeah. But just yeah, the way that he marries music and animation and and the fantastic like overarching like storytelling while keeping keeping certain aspects of like your your epic or your space operas or your noir movies. Mm-hmm. You also have like moments that feel incredibly slice of life. Like when I first watched Cowboy Bebop, I was so impressed and so like and I think that's also the the really charming part about it is it feels like you're literally just sitting in with these people who have who who work on a ship and have this really crazy job yeah um and i love it for that and i love ed (laughs) we love ed we love ed adhd queen 
princess. Yes. Yes. She's literally ADHD as a person. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, uh, one of my favorite, like immediately one of my favorite anime of all time. And it gets into so many like fantastic. I mean, from the first episode straight off, you get the idea that Spike Spiegel has already seen so much and experienced so much shit because of, you know, also the plot that happens in the first episode kind of takes a really serious, really dark kind of tragic turn. Mm-hmm. And the the series, you know, portrays it as very epic and stuff. But at the same time, it doesn't hesitate to have those moments where the characters have this really, have these really great self-reflective moments. Like definitely with, with Spike Spiegel and with Faye, and all of the other characters, it just gets so personal and you learn, you don't even learn, you you just have to love them. Mm-hmm. So well, and you, you see where they come from and all this. By the way, you were right about that. All of the titles are actually old songs as well for Cowboy Bebop. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. Asteroid Blues, Stray Cat Strat. I'm a ladies guy. <laughs> Casanova, hey. Just so rude and so gorgeous. I love it. Well, I guess that's my first pick then. <laughs> Listen, we don't have to rewatch Cowboy Bebop the movie to know that it fucking rules. Yes. <laughs> well, it hit the box Dude. office. Here's some factoids about it. It hit the box office with $3 million. Um, it was released back in oh, 2001. Man. We're that old, guys. Um, <laughs> and um, and end up being ended up being something that Sorry, I was reading something else. Uh, ended up being something that caught my eye because I did not watch Cowboy Bebop until I watched the movie first. That's the thing. Is Back in 2001, I was introduced to the movie first instead of the anime. And that's what made me fall in love with, with the actual anime itself. Was the Well, movie. it's funny because it didn't come out in America until like 2003 and it was a Toonami show. They used to run it late at night on Adult yep. Swim. On Adult Swim? Oh my God, I love it. Yeah. That. They used to run. They used to run this after episodes of home movies. So it must have been around 2003 that I that I saw this movie, and then I started watching the actual anime, and it, yeah. it got me hooked immediately. And for the record, guys, uh, Wicked City is available on Tubi. This is available on Netflix and Hulu. Cowboy Bebop, the show, the movie is not. You're gonna have to go to like your local video store and actually eBay. find one. Yeah, go to eBay and buy it. Or, you know, other illegal means, which we don't support at all. Uh-huh. Don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> this is a great... Uh, the fact that it made $30 million as an anime film uh, in America shows you the impact that anime had in the late 90s on culture. You know? And the funny thing is, the the one thing that you can point to as the, the catalyst that, mot- that moved anime forward in America is Pokemon. Yep. Pokemon did it. Dragon Ball Z was first, and all these other shows came out first. You know, Inuyasha, Hamtaro, all these other shows, Sailor Moon. But it wasn't until Pokemon came out that people were like, oh. Yep. It's profitable. It's profitable and cool. All right. And then they would check it out. And so, you know, now we know the impact that that had on everything. All of us. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. We're all a bunch of fucking weebs now. bring it on (laughs) Shay Shay, what is your first pick because that was a great pick by Gene and Destiny's pick was also fantastic 
So um, my next pick, I'm going to try, I always like to try and follow everyone else's picks. So that way it feels pretty fluid. Um, my next pick is a fantastic um, anime science fiction anthology released in 1995 called Memories. So it says it's pre uh, presented by uh, Katsuhiro Otomo. Uh, who was also uh, one of the directors of one of the segments, Cannon Fodder. So it's three segments, um, directed by Koji Morimoto, who did Magnetic Rose, Tensai Okamura, who did Stink Bomb, and then Katsuhiro Otomo. Um, and I actually watched that. This was one of the movies that I, I watched upon researching. Um, and I've always wanted to see this movie. I've always heard amazing things from it. You have some powerhouses of anime and animation like morimoto who worked on akira and kiki's delivery service you have and Okamoto. the greatest of all time also helped write some of this and i know where you're going with this the greatest anime animator of all time satoshi khan that's whack because i didn't even know that <laughs> hell yeah okay that's probably where i first saw it because you know, if you've been listening to any... He wrote any, Magnetic Rose. You know, oh, that makes so much sense because that was the best segment in the entire movie. <laughs> it's so... Okay, so let's let's do a deep dive. Let's get into it. Why should you watch this fucking movie? It's, an, it's beautiful. You get a great range of animation from three different powerhouse anime directors. Um, but all of the stories are really super compelling. So I didn't realize that it was released so late. It feels like a Wicked City or Demon City um, or an Akira to where it feels like it, it should have taken place in the 80s. But it was actually released in 1995. So it, I mean, it's it not. It feels like it's purposely stylized that way. Like all three segments yeah. have a different feel to them. Mm -hmm. It is. And then, you know, like like Akira or like, you know, those kind of adjacent works and all that, you get the same kind of vibes, the same kind of subject matter where it's not only aesthetic portraying the themes, but also, I, I don't even know if you can call it subtext. You can call it context because of, you know, obviously of what Japan went through and kind of how they explored and, and coped with the, you know, the historical trauma that had happened and that keeps that that still affects generations to these days yep. uh, uh uh you know specifically those events y'all know what i'm talking about yeah you definitely get that sense in, in memories um not necessarily on well maybe a little bit on the scope of akira but um definitely parts of a larger whole and it's i don't know it's hard for me to get it even even get into because each component um is so strong and you get the feeling that they just have such a large will of their own and they watching it this isn't a detriment or anything but watching each segment feels like it's a feature of its own even though they're all shorts it's so juicy and so pulpy and just each thing is so full of life and you connect with the characters like that was that was like one impressive thing for me um especially in magnetic rogue rose and stink bomb was it really gets you familiar with the characters. So that way when shit actually is going down and the plot devices start, you know, rolling, the plot starts like rolling. Matriculating. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You really care for the characters, but also you you know who they are 
So the way things go down, you you understand why they make the choices that they do and how that affects the plot. Um, mm-hmm. So everything comes hand in hand. Like all the stories are so beautifully balanced and texturized and lively and there's points of humor like specifically from the characters themselves stink bomb is a lot more situational um while also having a like it's it's very humorous while also having like the the heaviest like underlying themes like ever um which is really really clever and just so well so well done beautifully animated this is some of the best animation that you're ever going to come across um i would i would compare it to my other picks um that are coming up especially the next one that i'm going to talk about not the last one because the last one i'm going to save you know most gargantuan for last um do it yeah. for the memes well, for mm-hmm. the <laughs> but yeah memories is definitely it definitely made it and it was between this and robot carnival but when i was watching robot carnival i was just like it's a little bit more, it's a lot more novelty and it doesn't have as a, like a whole hell of a lot of substance. It's more of a vibe. It's mm. more of the kind of thing where you edit music videos to it. Memories mm-hmm. you can do that, but then you get so much out of the story. Um, and it, it, it talks about things like AI and technology and um, tragedy, like, like large scale tragedy and weapons and futurism and just all these different themes and stuff. Um, but also like, humanity and ego and memories i wanted to bring something up about that title memories uh do you know what the original title for the book that blade runner is based off is called nope it's called do androids dream of electric sheep and and i think the the thematics of dreaming and memories are very very entwined and together and this being a sci-fi like you know, compilation makes me think that there might be some more Blade Runner esque influence uh, going on there. Will you are you are not only right, you are not only accurate, but you are precisely hauntingly freakishly like like on on target right there. <laughs> Especially with magnetic rose. That's exactly <laughs> what that is. But on it, it told in such a creative way. So magnetic rose, that's the best segment. It is the first segment. It's written by Satoshi Khan. Written by Satoshi, the the king, our lord and savior, Satoshi Khan. Mm. But it's um, it's really beautifully written. But also like, so it has it. It's like a, if it was a Black Mirror episode, it would be the best Black Mirror episode. Frankly, um, it combines space and you have the crew, so it's kind of like it has kind of an alien setup where you're just like, okay, these are. You know, our little astronauts, they're cool, they're cute, they have families, they have lives, backstories, or whatever. I say that pretty nonchalantly, but it's done so very, very, very well. And then they end up getting, um, what do you call it, an SOS from this ship, and it ends up being this humongous, rich people ship. So they go in there, they traverse it, but it's completely empty. But the technology and stuff within it is still working. So they're trying to figure out the mystery behind the SOS call to see if anyone is in need and things go completely haywire. And it it's pretty humorous. It's beautifully animated. It's a science fiction thriller, but it also has like moments that are just absolutely horrifying to think about. Um, but yeah, you'd be completely so, right about it. 
So it's funny because I don't know a lot about a lot, but I know a lot about stuff. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like I'm pretty, I, 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 I love that I've never seen this movie, but I nailed the vibes just based off of what you were saying. So is it three oh. different short films put together or is it one one film with like one storyline in three different styles so it's three different short films following the same kind of overarching theme. oh okay think of it like trick or treat or um or creep show okay but like with the sci-fi anime That's really interesting yeah because i'm looking at the pictures it looks like there's three different completely different like art art happening Mm-hmm. That's exactly what I was saying. Some of like some of them look really, really like old school Fist of the North mm-hmm. Star style. Some of it looks a little more 90s style, crisper mm-hmm. lines. And I love that we're talking about space and I love that we're talking about all of that because I'm going to keep the cyberpunk influences rolling with my first pick, which is from 1995. It was called Kokaku Kidotai, which translates into Ghosts in the Shell. <laughs> a, a, a film that was remade in live action terribly um, which centers around a police cyborg police woman named Matoko Kusanage and she's in search of a mysterious and powerful hacker called the Puppet Master uh, this film is gorgeous it's beautiful it's amazingly shot it moves at a pace that's breakneck it has the cyberpunk aesthetic nailed down to a T have y'all seen Ghost in the Shell, it's fucking I, dope. I actually have. And I, I it's one of those things where like I have ADHD, so the image is like the top priority for me. It needs to suck me in. And just the artwork itself is go go gorgeous. <laughs> it'll it'll definitely do that. It'll suck you in immediately, especially the first time you see Kusanage. You're like, oh, hello. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's very surprising to me. And Bato as well. Very striking, uh, creepy looking dude with his big old white eyes. Yeah, yeah. Played by Michael Pitt in real life. Michael Pitt, really? Yeah. Oh. Huh. That's so weird. Yes. <laughs> I definitely know the live action version. No. I, I to the soundtrack, though. The soundtrack's cute. It is cute. Oh, yeah. uh, this was this was actually made by uh, Mamoru Oshii, and he doesn't he hasn't really made too much else outside of this. But I mean, this film when it came out in 1995, it blew minds because at that time anime wasn't really taking over America on TV. So when you saw something with this sort of aesthetic, you were like, "Holy shit!" I think it actually beat Ava by a few months too in in North America as well, uh, as far as release goes. So it was like the first time you've ever seen cyberpunk put on screen in an anime style and it really just it's it's an incredible incredible movie because it has that pulsating soundtrack going on top of the cyberpunk aesthetic on top of being a really good mystery Mm -hmm. uh the whole time you're trying to figure out well how's the puppet master doing this how's he getting away with this and i think it's so expertly done um it is grotesquely violent and there is a ton of nudity because as uh matoko is a cyborg she is rarely clothed that that's also the interesting thing that because I've seen this movie twice and a lot of okay straight up we all know this a lot of anime in general manga is yep. very but the weird thing about Ghost in the Shell with all of the nudity 
for me, and this is me personally, but it never feels excessive because she's always, she's a cyborg and this body isn't even, so it's okay. So I meant, I think I mentioned this in the last podcast too. I brought up a monster mash reference, (laughs) but (laughs) we, how do we know that Makoto, her soul, like she's literally, she's a ghost in the shell. We don't know Uh what she's ever actually looked like if she's even like a real person and that's whole the whole fantastic philosophical thing is just it's like the existentialism of artificial intelligence mm-hmm. her, her being naked or nude all the time in the scenes that that it happens for me never feels exploitative at all and also not to mention like it it also never feels exploitative like when it comes to the characters around makoto yep they're just, yep. like sometimes I, th- I think even the the people who Makoto works with, they're always trying to clothe her. To like they don't see her. her. They don't see her as an ob- as a sexual object. They see her right. as a policewoman first, which I think is so yeah. fucking cool. The movie did a good job of not making it overt, um, which you know, like the male gaze sort of thing. Like it, like you know, in one of my picks, like it definitely was a thing. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, and I think that that's interesting to note because uh, oftentimes in anime, in particular, the male gaze can get sort of perverted a lot. It always is. Oh yeah, and they're not shaming that. I that wanted to mention this might be the this might be the second best looking Neo Tokyo I've ever seen, and we're going to talk about the only one that I think is better looking than this movie because Neo Tokyo looks amazing. Yes, especially at night in this movie. Uh huh. Yep. Just gorgeous, gorgeous settings, gorgeous um, animation, like very memorable character designs, which is also, I mean, not only is it philosophically and in subject matter super like interesting, but also its characters are iconic enough to carry over into what would be a very quickly a franchise. Yep. Yes. And and unfortunately, it's a franchise because they could have just left it here and we would have been fine. But no, Age of Innocence is is great, in my opinion. It's fine. Yeah, it's pretty good. And it's it's gorgeous. It's very, it looks a lot very, I mean, it came out in the same era as Animatrix too, didn't it? So it Uh, it kind of, a a tiny, I don't want to say a facelift because this movie already looks so good, but Mm -hmm. whatever they had going on in the 2000s that they could bring to it, they they did in Age of Innocence. But They they kept their haircut the same though. I don't think her hair grows. Yeah, her her bob is like iconic at this point. Yep. <laughs> Edgy Faye Valentine. Of course, nah. Faye Valentine. Nah, <laughs> Faye's got Faye's got the dopest bob with the with the cute little headband. I love her. Yeah. Yeah. Destiny, I'm you have sorry, any thoughts on this? I'm, Ghost in the Shell. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, I I usually I always watch like I watch all the series, all the move like all the anime movies, and then the new uh series they had of uh Ghost of the Shell, but I kind of didn't like the the new version. I don't know how you say that kind of style. Like it looked three D Yeah, I I don't like I don't like that kind of anime style. Mm-hmm. So I did I did I stopped watching it because I I can't I can't I I can't watch it. But I and then they've got the live action Ghost of the Shell. We don't we don't talk about that here. It makes nope. me upset. It upsets nope. me. Yeah, I was like, no, don't no. <laughs> it was 
so bad. They continue. <laughs> they continually continue to make these live action animes, and they don't do it. I well. know, and I'm like, Rrr. I'm actually excited for One Piece. I've never seen the anime, but it looks really good. I refuse to watch that show because it has too many episodes. Uh, yeah, One Piece is way too much. It's too much of episodes. So it's like, I'm a, just like, oh. it's like 300. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. Like, I don't have time for that. A healthy amount of drama. Yeah, not an anime. It's called. But, uh, why does it take so long to find One Piece? Yeah. <laughs> like, how long is this gonna take to feel their own? Wow. But yeah, the Ghost in Shell was be- beautifully done. Um, and in that time, and I just loved how they, they just made it really pretty. You know, she's. I mean, she's a robot. She's she's a, a cyborg, and she's just gorgeous. But yeah, I really really love love the story uh, behind Ghost of the Shell. There's that there's that scene where she's in the window scape and it's a profile mm-hmm. shot of her in the window and she's yeah. left of center and you can see out the window Neo Tokyo and it's one of the most gorgeous, gorgeous. landscape photos of Neo Tokyo that I've ever seen in a production yep. that looks so amazing. I you know love I was, this movie. I was just thinking of um the most one of the most iconic images from Ghost in the Shell where she puts the hand waves the hand over her face. And she just goes invisible. Yep. And it's yep. All you see are those eyes. And as she's like, floating through. It's so beautiful. Yep. <laughs> and in that she's also naked too. But in, in that I get I don't know why I keep getting brought back to that. But for me, it's just like this very cool because Makoto straight up, I feel like she could choose to be in whatever body she would want to be in. Correct. You know? She can um, just detach her head. Yep. Yeah, she's but she she chooses to be in this powerful feminine body, and to see the feminine body being utilized as a weapon can say so many things. I don't she, know. But I she beats the shit. She beats the shit out of that dude in the part in the alleyway. <laughs> no one stands a chance. Let's be real. She's mm-hmm. the best. Yes. <laughs> amazing movie i i love this i love that this movie was available to me it dropped to me and i was like I, i'm taking it i'm taking it that said <laughs> we have our guest here destiny she has a second pick and what is it um it's uh demons uh demon city all right so tell it's us about of, demon city because i've never seen it yeah it's kind of almost like wicked city it's from the 80s um of course it's it's beautiful how how the style is and stuff like that and it, you know what i think it's kind of like this the story of wicked city there's you know the humans and, and demons fighting each other and you know it, it's pretty much the same concept you know the same as like wicked city oh just yeah the, characters. the artwork is just this, almost co- this poster yeah. is absolutely breathtaking yeah I'm in, i i will be willing to bet my left hand on it but i'm pretty sure it was maybe even it was created by the same people and it might have even been directed by the same person it's yoshi yeah it's yoshiaki kawagiri yep yep yeah and he did ninja scroll and vampire d plus oh yeah yeah Yeah. he he has that style and i was like that's what i I love it (laughs) andy was an animator in my last pick of the day as well yeah (laughs) 
but yeah i just i don't know it's it's pretty cool i'm i'm so i'm so into like demons especially like demon stories back in the time because they they have those these are um actual japanese demons that they use in this in these films and it's really cool to to know that they have their own you know um urban legends legends and stuff like that so that's it's pretty cool it looks like this came out in 88 a year after wicked city and yep. at least the demon city sinjoku did yeah uh, I, 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 was, I thought it was like part two or something i'm like oh no way it's a totally different story <laughs> uh, i thought they were like it was a sequel to that one but i was like i like it you know so this looks like it's like a revenge tale mixed in with the demon sort of uh under undertones this mm -hmm. cover is absolutely fantastic i love it yeah, this guy, like this guy with the sword, the wood sword, the demon in the background made out of wings. Yeah, his sword, is, his sword is of wood, but it has power. So it's like, it was so cool. <laughs> this is so and cool. Like, and I found out like the, 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 the manga, they're, they got two different um covers. Like the, the, it, I guess it's a different thing. They have, um, I said volume two. I'm, I just looked at it too. It's like it's more like a younger looking kid and mm -hmm. a girl, and then they have like what <laughs> I was like, I haven't seen that. I haven't read the the manga, but I've you know I watched it. And then there's like this evil bad guy who has this really cool sword and he has like white hair. I actually like mm -hmm. him. He's like yeah, he's I mean, on the poster. Like, yeah, he's yeah, on the he's poster. One of, one of my favorite villains and he's he's pretty cool and creepy at the same time <laughs> this dude looks dope man this 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 film is just beautiful yeah it's it's really cool that his sword is a, a stick sword and you guys i'm definitely gonna have to watch it because i really like the idea that you get to learn a little bit more about like the the japanese lore of the demons mm -hmm. in and there's this little That's cute cool. there's this little demon kid too she's just weird <laughs> but yeah, a, he's, he's a, <laughs> The what you said about him having a wooden stick as a as a weapon reminds me of a joke from the T uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem movie that just came out this week. Oh, Donatello! I Donatello makes a joke about the fact he's like, "I have a stick. Where did I get a big stick? Why do I have a big stick?" <laughs> I want to see that so bad. I like the style of it. It's it's, it's absolutely so fantastic. Weird. It's absolutely fantastic. I like it because they have they 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 brought all the mutate mutants in it, and I was like, oh, I have to see it because I, I love all of them. Like you know, the, back in the day. The, the the film is fantastic. I'm gonna tell you, that. and gorgeous. Uh, yeah. definitely see it. It's fantastic, uh, fantastic animated film, and the chemistry because they shot all the all four of them were in the same room at the same time. Uh, mm -hmm. is it's on fire. Uh, oh, nice. Okay, but cool. Back back to this. This looks like Highlander meets Demon Slayer. Yes, that's. I was like, I, I, I really, 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 really love, really love how, how it, it, it is, and um, yeah, it's just, it's just amazing. And I was like, yeah, it was like, like kind of like, like a Highlander. I love Highlander. It's such a. Have you heard they're making a new Highlander? I think yes, and I, 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 I don't want to see that because every time they make these <laughs> things, they make me depressed. I don't know. We'll see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> now i love this pick I, I think this movie looks gorgeous I, I i'm excited to check it out it's actually um not available anywhere so good luck finding it yeah um, it's really hard to find it huh <laughs> nine anime 
Yeah, so nine anime will have it, but also uh, Ghost in the Shell is available on uh, Tubi, which is free. Yeah, so you can check it out there. But I love that pick. I love uh, the style. Yet again, totally different stylistically than Wicked City, even though it's similar in themes. So yeah, I, yeah. I, I like that pick. Gina, Doc. I am going to break it up a bit with the dramatic anime and go into more of cartoony anime Sweet. with Pompo the Cenophile. Pompo! I watch this. This is like a typical anime where you have your nervous, nerdy character who's like trying to make it big. And then you have your other main character who's got a lot of confidence. So there's a juxtaposition happening here. And it's about a, a guy who is an intern to Pompo, who is a producer, a movie producer. And she gives him a chance to produce his own movie. Um, and so it goes through like all the stuff that he goes through, his emotions and how he's insecure. And then it's about, basically it's a film about achieving your dreams when you're not sure and having super imposter syndrome, which was, I found very highly relatable for a cartoon. Um, but it was very cute, cutesy. Like there wasn't, to me, there wasn't a lot of depth to it. There was just a lot of simplicity to it. And I found it to be, it was made into 2021 and I found it to be just really like charming. It was a charming piece. Uh, this has was, a really cool style, Gina, like very modern anime look. Yes, they used a lot of animation when it comes to like him creating the movie. They used a lot of more like 3DS sort of sort of things. But um, but I love I just I'm sorry, but I love big eyed characters. I love I was movie. just going to say they <laughs> they had these gigantic eyes. Yes, they don't look like normal people. The only thing is that like the one of the characters in his in, in the movie he's creating doesn't have that style of eyes so it kind of throws me off a little but they all have those big lollipop eyes that like i adore the anime brings um and it kind of made me feel like i was a teenager again like i was watching anime on like adult swim or something or like cartoon network during the day and it just it was nice it was it was a cute simple uh cute and simple storyline and definitely definitely for everyone I, I like this because uh, the uh, the director of this movie was a production assistant on one of the greatest anime films ever made. Which one? Millennium Actress. Oh! That's a good one. Yes, and he's also a storyboard artist and he's worked with uh, on Attack on Titan. So, I mean, he has yeah. had a degree to spare. Um, uh, this movie looks fucking dope. It looks so cool. So fun. It's fun. It's a fun quirky cutesy little little movie that like goes into it's weird because like Pompo is not the main character but she's the title of the story so it talks it goes a little bit more about the 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 main character Gene and he creates his film and it talks about his influence her influence on him um but I totally 100% related to this movie because he had super imposter syndrome. He was like, I don't know if I can make a movie. I don't know if I'm good enough. I don't know if I can do this. And I was like, I know you can. I'm in the same boat though. I understand. Because <laughs> I, I, I am now a director at a university and he was a director. And so there was a lot of parallels happening. And I was like, ah, Listen, <laughs> my favorite anime of that style where the lead character doesn't believe in themselves is your lie in april uh, your lie in april 
in April. Uh, don't don't watch it without tissue. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Cause it's sad. I love uh, that kind of stuff. It's about a pianist who used to be the best pianist in all of Japan, but upon the death of his mother, who was uh, the one pushing him rather aggressively, he stops until he meets a beautiful and talented violinist who will not do anything but work alongside him. But there's something like uh, up. There's something up with this violinist girl. We don't know what it is, but you'll find out, and you'll cry. <laughs> well, I guess I have something to watch tonight. <laughs> to do with a silent voice at all with the creators of a silent voice? Um, I believe a- so. I love a silent voice. That's also a movie that you need to bring um tissues. That's too. that's gonna be that was one of my honorable mentions. Actually, was uh, that's a good voice. one. Silent voice is incredible, good. incredible film. Uh, That's great, like great the, choice. If you're looking for perks of a wallflower, oh, vibe kind of thing. I would, I would point you to a, a silent voice. I did not so, expect. No, he all- actually didn't do that. He worked on Psychopaths, though. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. That's so. I also see here in IMDb though he's also directed for Death Note and Paranoia Agent. Uh, yeah, the guy we're talking about now. I'm talking about the guy from Your Lie in April, uh, oh. Koyogo Ishiguro. He he worked on Silent Pass, Psycho Pass, and Words Bubble Up Like Soda Pop, which is a fun one. <laughs> yeah, so it was really cu- it was cute, and I recommend it if you're looking for something light and fun to watch that um, also has some very relatable characters. Yeah, I like this. This is a this is a cool looking movie, and it's called The Cinephile. So obviously, we're interested. <laughs> right? I figured it would be proper. <laughs> We're definitely interested in that because I, I can relate to being a cinephile. For sure, for sure. Love that. That's a great pick. I, I, I really like that you picked one that had modern anime style because a lot of our picks don't. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a lot of them are a little bit older. Um, I mean, we just talked about four out of the last five movies were in 90s, 90s anime, 80s. which is yep. fucking sweet. 80s or 90s anime which is so fucking sweet so it was nice to have a brand new brand new one a couple of my honorable mentions are brand new as well so we'll, we'll get into that later on but 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 shay shay what's pick two? <laughs> oh, um following up actually your ghost in the shell i move you angels it um which actually came out a couple no i take it back a whole decade before Ghost in the Shell, also directed by our guy Mamoru Oishii. Mamoru Oshii. Oshii. Thank you. Um, and it is. Have you guys? Have any of you guys seen it yet? What's nope. it called? Angel's Egg. And oh, I believe Angel you- Eggs. Oh, I love Angel Egg. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Someone. Yeah. That's so cute. <laughs> if anyone is going to talk about being a cinephile, being an animation jerk being you know anything having to do with anime or at least you know like ugh, i don't know what you would call it like i guess like high art anime yeah being a being a weeb hipster this is it this is as <laughs> weeb hipstery as you can get um and i'm <laughs> i'm, I'm kind of selling it as kind of a token item but it goes so much farther than that um <clears throat> you can help me with this but angel's egg is it, it combines things everything that i love from philosophy to existentialism to talking about and exploring 
the ego of the self and how that also kind of relates towards feelings of spirituality and kind of how you can feel isolated or lonely in that kind of thing, religious beliefs and mm-hmm. also combining these amazing surreal very like very specifically like the settings are just strange and surreal it, uh, it's it, gorgeous. it like, yeah it's it's so gorgeous and there's barely any dialogue in it mm-hmm. just because it's so all of the characters are so isolated on this little island right yep and I forget what shape the island was even in. I think it was in the shape of a fish or something, or an egg. Um, but it was in the shape of something. And there's because there's not a whole lot explained behind it. It's probably one of the deeper rabbit holes of a movie yeah. or an animated film that you can ever get into. Because not only was it something like Evangelion that was being expressed on behalf of the filmmaker in order to work some things out. But it's it combines like a lot of um, really strong, fantastical visuals that also hide a lot within itself. So there's a lot, there's a lot to digest when it comes to this movie, but it's also a movie that you can't be looking at your phone while you're watching it because you're gonna miss something and then you're gonna get bored. You have to pay attention to this movie because where the entertainment, where the watchability lies is literally in the set pieces and in all of the art. And it's surreal. It's very expressionistic, kind of like Valerie's Week of Wonders (laughs) um, in films like that. It's surreal. It's just like, I don't know. It's a fantastic expression. It almost kind of reminds me of The Last Unicorn a little bit, too, with some of the and I love the last unicorn. <laughs> I'm 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 seeing this and I'm seeing like Japanese Rankin and Bass. It's kind of it's kind of a style of gothic too. It's like so gothic. It's, it's really super pretty. Mm-hmm. Um, and you get the sense like it, it, it and the setting itself, the environments are very hard to kind of articulate because it it feels like either it takes place so far out into the future that humanity is pretty much dwindled to almost nothing. Or it could have happened in a, a, an alternative timeline so far back that we would have never, like, kind of, it, it would have never been recorded kind of thing. Where it's just like, but there are these weird technologies and, and you get the sense that there's, like, gods and deity, like, large deities involved. But at the same time, it feels, it's gorgeous and it's it's alive and it has personality and dripping with atmosphere. Like, the whole thing is all atmosphere um and not there is story and there's a lot of story there but it's also the kind of thing where it's it's very much you have to interpret a lot on yourself and on behalf of the filmmaker um which is incredible and not a lot of films especially animations or anime do period so it's it's a very unique work and it's so gorgeous the animation is it's um (laughs) <laughs> it's it's like how did how the fuck did this happen <laughs> yeah i love how stark and dour all their faces are yeah it really like, is goth they're very <laughs> they're very the uh, the style is very much different from pompo where pompo is very light and big eyes these eyes are small black dark pools of depression yeah everyone's hair is white for some goddamn well, reason <laughs> and 
she she's a fantastic kind of she's like you could say she's the mascot she's the protagonist we follow her through but i think in reality we have the two protagonists so it's this hopeful kind of wandering little girl who who's just kind of ethereal she's minding her own business she's taking pleasure in her environment and in the natural things that happen around her as as you do kind of when you're a kid um and you also get to see her transform as a as a woman literally in a split second it's it's i don't know it's very bizarre but there's nothing is without reason that's the very most exciting part about this movie is everything is absolutely intentional um yeah it's very exciting because it it's just a lot of whack shit that happens where you're just like it, it it forces you to really think about this movie and where it's coming from where it takes place what it's trying to communicate and it does have a lot i think it's internal conflict is really just um a mishmash of all these things which if you look at his later work in ghost in the shell it kind of discusses the same things but through a different environment through different characters through different mechanics angel's egg everything is so much more obscure but i really think he's still communicating the same kind of internal struggle where it's just like what makes us human and but also what is what's the purpose or even what's the value in being human versus this whole scope of of the world and and in its environment we're so tiny and small and just function as tiny small things in the scope of things but also it, it also brings in a lot and i didn't i didn't know this until after i did research about the movie because it was so it's very disarming when you first watch it but he brings in a lot of biblical references that you don't notice on the first watch um and i think even the characters nope the characters are literally named boy and girl mm-hmm. so I love the juxtaposition here, Shay, that you were talking about between this and Ghost in the Shell, where Ghost in the Shell is a very noise of very noisy, cluttered message of existentialism, where this is stark and barren. Yes. But still hitting on those same existential themes. It's a perfect movie. Um, if you want to explore themes of um like a spiritual, philosophical and religious journey, but something that is very that feels very isolated and very lonely like, like plato's set. plato's cave right exactly <laughs> i think i think he actually did get inspiration from plato's cave if i'm not incorrect but that could even be an interpretation which is why everyone who says that they're into art films or says they're into like you know like great anime period this is it this is where this is where ghost in the shell came from this is where a lot of great works came from was inspired this movie, but inspired by this movie. And if I'm, I may be incorrect, but when I first saw it, I saw it on YouTube. So hopefully it should still be free to watch. Um, Yeah, I'm gonna go back and watch it. because I love stuff like that, especially the, um, your other, um, what is it? Um, Morals? Mary's. I've seen it long time ago. And I was just looking at it again. I was like, I have to watch this again. And it was true where she was saying that the three movies, they kind of look a little bit different from the design of the art. And I really like that. That's cool. This is a fantastic looking film. I got to tell you, Shay. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. 
I, I think the first time I saw this, I was 14 years old. So I've had this movie with me for a long time. And yeah. it's, it's, it's an inspiration of mine, but it's also so out there in such an, if I were to talk about this idea for a movie that I had, and it was this movie, I don't think it could be made now. I don't think anyone would understand what the fuck it was that I was trying to make. But the film it would probably drug test you first. <laughs> the, <laughs> it wouldn't be. It would not. Be not it. <laughs> we know. So, so him and so personal, and it 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 just feels like this film. And it, I mean, not to say it, you know there weren't other movies like this, like Memories or Wicked City. Or, you know, other 90s, 80s anime or animated films where we don't know what their backing was exactly. Um, definitely nowhere near to like what what backing for films is today, but it's just like it's amazing. And it's honestly a blessing that movies like this yeah. were made. Like I feel lucky to be living in the timeline where Angel's Egg was a thing because when I first saw it, I was really confused. <laughs> like what am I watching <laughs> I have seen it I have seen it at least twice and read some of the inspiration and the subtext and where the filmmaker was coming from and there's just so much to it but it is it is first and foremost a gorgeous fucking movie yes I, I love this Tensai no Tamango that's what it's called in Japanese Angel's Egg this yeah, that artwork. Oh my gosh. Wow. I'm a It looks like an old school cameo. It's like an old cameo. I love it. Like, Gorgeous artwork. You want anything that is ethereal or gothic? Boom. No. There you go. <laughs> we we well, do love gothic around these parts. Yeah. Now. <laughs> I suppose that means it's my turn again. I suppose. Such a hard follow-up with such an incredibly beautiful movie. So you know what I'm going to follow it up with, Shay? What? Oh. An equally beautiful movie from 2006, directed by God himself, Satoshi Khan, Paprika. Paprika follows a therapist who and whose dreams are stolen. And when that happens, only Paprika can stop him from doing it. It's an incredibly crazy film having to do with REM sleep, dreams. It's Inception before Inception was Inception. This is why I haven't seen all of I haven't finished Inception. Because it's a lesser version, yes. This movie <laughs> is so starkly different from yours, where yours is very simple and dour and stark. This is bright and colorful, but also equally depressing. I wouldn't say depressing, but it definitely has its dark moments um but i would i would kind of compare it not to um how would you say because the logic and the creativity behind this film is just so incredible and so expansive satoshi khan duh um but i've had i i had to force myself to watch this movie multiple times because i just it's a lot in uh, behind the futurism and and the technology and the art style like holy shit when it's, I first saw it on like like in 2006 when it came out, like I had to watch it. That was I immediately the the cover 
was like, Gina needs to watch this movie right now. <laughs> it, it was so good. And, it, and I in, and instantly like gravitated towards it. I remember coming when it, when it like the picture, the poster came out, I really wanted the poster. What I love is the way that this film looks. It doesn't look like 90s anime, which is what Perfect Blue kind of looks like, and Tokyo Godfather, but it doesn't look like New Millennium yet either. It's a nice mm-hmm. mix between the two where we're in the middle and we're sort of learning that anime can be something beyond what it was in the 90s, but uh, mm-hmm. it's not to the extent that, you know, Pompo takes it where there's 3D or where Demon Slayer takes it where there's full 3D backgrounds or characters. Mm-hmm. This just has an absolutely beautiful uh, look to it and Honestly, it might be the best looking Satoshi Khan film, even if it's not his best film. I'm here I, for the I, anime I, haircut. I'm, I'm here for the Amelie haircut. That's what I mean. That is such an interesting comparison, though. I know, right? I mean, <laughs> I, at the end of the day, Amelie is about a, about a woman who is just trying to live her life and, you know, dreaming big. I feel like some way or another Paprika or Amelie kind of either intentionally or unintentionally make reference to each other. Yep. Especially in in the construction of movies and the structure of movies. They're just parts of Paprika because Satoshi Kon in himself as a, as an animator, as an artist, as a manga artist, which I, I um, at one point in time had a compilation of his manga short stories. Um, he, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. He has such a palpable, like, crazy love for cinema and for movies. And you can see that in all of his other works. Like, Millennium Actress, mm-hmm. Tokyo Godfather, boom. Um, Perfect Blue, obviously. But Paprika, it's just like, they literally stopped the movie um, in one of the, the, what do you call it? The simulated or the dream sequences to talk about the construction of a shot. Um, there she is and then also like uh what is it the 180 rule the camera rule when you you shoot a scene but then they literally break that rule as they're animating it and it's so fantastic and it, it explores so many things but it's also a really fun engrossing story but i think it also has it it has elements of ghost in the shell yes. in a lot of them. i picked Which, this particular image just because it looks like amelie that is so true. That made me that <laughs> made me think of it immediately. If you send me this, I could literally just Photoshop her to look exactly like I'll make her hair black, make the shirt green, and then you have yep. exactly. Um, God. That is so true. They kind of came out in the same like I would say the same like uh cinematic, like cinephile era. I would mm-hmm. and I, I I constantly see like these kind of movies grouped together like yeah all the movies that you need like 1001 movies you need to see before you die both of those movies were on there so that's another connection there yeah. <laughs> i love that I, I i i love this movie i just think it's one of the most imaginative and visually stunning pieces of anime ever made because mm-hmm. every is it- scene is a is is a painting it's overwhelming I love that. There's like a million things happening within every single shot. And I was lucky enough to be in high school surrounded by um, high art weaves. (laughs) (laughs) High art weaves. (laughs) Yeah. I'm I'm a very lucky girl. And Paprika was one of those. And they showed me the trailer for it. 
and the trailer the american trailer actually it, it marketed itself as the the film the anime film that everyone needs to see in order yeah to yeah there, there's a poster here that says this is your brain on anime and it's oh like paprika will will always stand the test of time was it was this before or after uh con started i think that was this was after paranoia asian wasn't it uh paranoia agent was 2004 so yes Yep. Uh, but there's direct reference to uh, Paprika in Into the Spider Verse. Really? What? I'm gonna remove my background so you can see this, guys. This is pretty fucking okay. sweet. <laughs> Let me do this real quick. It wasn't a lot of film festivals. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Uh, you guys can see my horrific room. <laughs> I mean, it's not that horrific unless you got a body in there. What oh, does that look like? Okay, I see it. In the first uh, Spider-Man. What's up, Danger? Boom, right there. <laughs> yup. That's yeah. that's ex- that's exactly what that is. That's literally Satoshi Kon. I it's this hard. movie's so good. It's it's hard, and it's almost kind of like I mean, it's not. Oh my god, it just pushes the it literally it pushes the envelope for everything, especially because it's just like when you watch that movie, it, it it's almost kind of like, well, I don't know how animation or anime can get any better than this, honestly. Yeah, exactly. Yes. I mean, at least in the top 10. You can't fight me on that. It's in the top 10 of the best animated films of all time. It's in the top 5. Yes. Maybe top 3. <laughs> I mean, Perfect Blue for me is number 1. And it always will be. I love that. As far as like animation goes, I would honestly put Paprika up at number 1. It's it's a it's a much better animated film as far as the way it being animated, but I just think that the you know the story being told is a lot more interesting. It's literally like I don't know I don't know Satoshi, but I think you literally maybe have to be an insane person to have made this movie. <laughs> yes, you have to be an absolutely you have to be an absolutely insane person to have made this movie, and he, luckily for us. As an audience, Satoshi Khan is an absolutely insane man, and I love him for it. I, I, I just I can't speak more highly of this film than to say that if you've never seen this movie, why? Why you need to? <laughs> right. <laughs> Destiny, you have any thoughts on uh, on on Paprika? Have you seen it? Oh yeah, I've seen it. It's it's really really such a beautiful interesting movie. I just like how it just like jumps from one thing to another, and it's like. It was kind of confusing when I first saw it, but I was like, when I said saw it the second time, I I kind of knew what she, what I was going with. But yeah, I just I just I really liked it. <laughs> oh yeah, it's definitely ADHD the movie. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Do yeah. so I watch it again? <laughs> That's why my brain loved it. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I gotta watch it again. I'm like, it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> it's 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 a fascinating film. I really, I, oh, yeah. I love it. Oh, I yeah. love it. It's, it's beautiful. I had to watch it more than once for that reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, exactly. So before we get to our third picks, I do want to mention that uh, we do have a YouTube channel where all of our episodes are going to be uploaded eventually. 
So you can check that out. But really, recently we did an interview with director Jared Moshe uh, as part of Fantasia Fest 2023 for his new movie, Aporia, starring Judy Greer, which is co- which does come out at the end of this month. You can check out a little bit of that interview right now. Um, you know, I wrote this a lot. It was a lot of me grappling with becoming a parent and suddenly finding the world to be a lot more scary and uncertain and um, than I ever thought it would be. You know, suddenly everything... All the things out there, like, you know, getting my health insurance, getting, you know, you know, making sure we're going to have food on the table, finding the next job, all became a hell of a lot scarier than they used to be. And so um, as I was grappling with that sort of feeling of uncertainty, I came up with this idea for a movie that about a character uh, grappling with that fear and uncertainty. Um, and um, I think I put a lot of my fears in, into this movie. So I was sort of going through it. I mean, it's, you know, I it's feel it's very personal in that way. Pretty cool to have him on there with us. Make sure you check out Aporia when it comes out near you. It's a pretty, pretty sweet movie about time travel without actually ta- traveling back in time. So check that one out. Uh, but now let's get to our last picks. And of course, we start with Destiny. What's your last pick? Hello. It would be Blood Sea. I actually have it. I've, I've been really interested in seeing the series, and then they have a movie. And then I was like really interested to find out that I had a feeling about it, but I found out it was from Blood, The Last Vampire, and Blood Plus. It was from, it's from that. And I was like, what? And I was like, I had a feeling because like the style of it and how, um, it, the, like the the girl in it, it was like a vampire. So it's it's about a vampire girl that you know protects the human race from all these other monsters that are mm-hmm. coming in, and you know they eat. That that's all they do is eat these people. So she's trying to save them, but it's really kind of funny because she fails all the time <laughs> in saving everybody. <laughs> <laughs> It's like what what is going on? And what what was really cool is like I saw a scene where there was bunny rabbits eating people, and it was just crazy. And I'm like, okay, I have to watch it. But I was like looking at it more, and I was like, oh my god, it's from Blood the Last Vampire, Blood Plus. Like it's a continuation of of the other series. And I'm like, it was my favorite vampire anime. So I really want to see it. And I was like really stoked to see that they continue with a different, a different, you know, girl and a different, you know, element of what's going on. But it was hilarious that she could not save any of her friends, and they keep dying in every episode. And I haven't seen the movie, but I really want to. And I've been trying to look for it, but I don't know where to find it. But that's such a Japanese piece of humor. I want to save all my friends, but I'm failing miserably. Really <laughs> I'm killing the monsters, but I can't save my friends. But it's really cute, you know. They're they're the big eye girl. Uh, this was uh, this is around 2011, so it's 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 so it's so cute. I mean, to me, it's cute because it's it's they're cute, and it's just funny because she can't save anybody. <laughs> she kicks butt, but she can't. But like you know, Blood the Last Vampire was a very romantic movie. I really love it. it's a romantic an- anime. And then Blood Plus was really dark, very sad. But then you have this one where she's this kid saved nobody. <laughs> I really like it. It's really interesting. I, I love I love this pick because I've never heard of this in my life. Yeah, and Blood I, the Last I, Vampire came out in 2000 when I should have heard about this. Yeah, yeah. And 
it, that was that was a movie and it was so good like I cried it was so romantic and just really really sad and then Blood Plus came out and that was also it like really dark pretty much more gothic and in that was also kind of like it had a romantic kind of thing but it was so sad I was like why can't they be happy at the end but then and then you have this goofy one <laughs> she can't say nothing <laughs> <laughs> she kicks butt but she can't even save one freaking person <laughs> it's a tired episodes and series and i haven't seen the movie so i don't know what if she saves anyone on that one <laughs> but I, yeah, I, I, I really really need to see it <laughs> i love that because he's uh, uh the guy who's behind this blood series also is the guy who invented psychopaths so yeah <laughs> cool. so there's a lot of cool stuff going on here and i really i i i think this is such an interesting pick Speaking artistically, uh, again, very different style, more modern looking, a lot of dark shadows, but they're not lit the same way as they are in Wicked City. Mm -hmm. This is very much like a, you know, is there like a high school magical girl vibe to this vampire For For Blood Blood Sea, it kind of does in a way. Mm And it, it's, you know, the super, it's actually uh, from the man, manga artist, uh, Clamp, what is it, C-L-A-M-P, how you pronounce that? Clamp. Clamp, so Clamp did uh, Chippets, I think it was Chippets with the cute robot girls. Yeah, they do pretty much do like cute little anime. He also did Code Geass. Yeah, and then did they do? Lelouch the Rebellion. Did they do Card Capture? That's Card Capture? Yeah, yes. Mm-hmm. Card Capture yeah, Sakura. Yeah, they did that. So they do cute stuff. Which is the magical girl to end all magical girls. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Which is so weird because blood sea is such hardcore blood and gore and stuff. And I'm just like, (laughs) it was a it was banded from China and other places. And I was like, man, they went like a different direction. They're like, they want cute stuff, but it's something different. Yep. If it's it's banned in China, it's got to be good. Yeah. Mm This oh, band in China has got to be good. Yeah, it's it's really good. It's really gory, and I've been wanting to get my hands on it and watch it. And then I was like, look, I was like, why does this feel so like something I I really love? And it's they they're from Blood Blood Plus and, and Blood the Last Vampire. And I'm like, oh my god, this is so crazy and funny at the same time. They're like, this is have her nuts try to save anybody. Just let this make her fail. <laughs> no, I, I love this. Oh, yeah. the, the movie you're referring to is called Blood See the Last Dark, right? Yeah, yeah, that one. I want to see that one. It has a guy yeah. in it, so I don't know if it, if it's going to, like for like the last vampire. No, it, it's it stars Saya. It, it stars Saya, the same vampire from the first vampire movie. Yeah, so I was like, oh, I better watch it. <laughs> I love this I looks, love stories like that. <laughs> this looks really cool. I, yeah. So this looks really really interesting. The way that it's uh, put together looks cool. Mm-hmm. The fact that there's a lot of lore that I have no idea about makes it more interesting to me and want to check out all of the other movies adjacent to it. Mm-hmm. And I and I love that. Um, yeah, good pick. I like yeah, it, I like Destiny. Excellent, excellent <laughs> choice there. Uh, I liked all three of your picks. Do you have any honorable mentions for us before we get to Gina's very last pick? No, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> Gina, what you got for us? Well, the last one that I have is Afro Samurai Resurrection. Hey, we love Afro Samurai, first of all. And uh, and I, if you hear my dog in the background, she's currently doing this. I don't know if you can see that. 
<laughs> I don't know why. So that's why I have noise in the background. But I was introduced to Afro Samurai when I studied abroad in Argentina. And uh, I met a bunch of weebs out there who loved Japanese movies. And they introduced me to this. And even though gore is something that kind of makes me kind of sick, like I don't I don't really like it. This this particular film made it kind of kill Billy, um, which, you know what I mean? Like when you cut someone's head off and then there's just like a fountain of blood coming out of it, but almost comical. And so it, it kept me interested because then I wasn't feeling sick. It just felt comical instead of, instead of gory. Um, it does get, it does get pretty gory. And there are times where I'm like, uh, but, but, uh, but I really enjoyed, there is one note to Afro Samurai. He doesn't say anything in the whole movie. He it's an it's a it's a samurai dude who needs to go uh revenge or avenge his father um because his adoptive sister decided to um resurrect his father from the dead because of what he did to hit her brother and all these other innocent people. So Afro Samurai is a, is a relentless killer. And um so she figures out how to revive his father to kill him again, to torture him to death so that Afro Samurai could could show up and so she can kill him. Um, but uh, there was also an, there, there was an old man in this and Samuel L. Jackson played the old man who follows Afro Samurai throughout the forest and the towns and stuff. And he's constantly like, what are you doing? What are you doing that? I don't think, I don't think you understand. I can't hide. Yeah, yeah. You know, like that Samuel L-ness that happens, um, which I thought. I don't think you funny. understand the words that are coming out of my mouth. Like that. <laughs> and so, um, you know, the artwork is dark. It is super, super dark. It's very noir. Like there's very high contrast scenes. Um, and, and like overall it has a hip hop vibe, which I appreciate. I always appreciate like something that the Japanese do really, really well is taking, <laughs> appropriating other people's cultures, but like doing it so stylistically that it makes sense. <laughs> and, and it, it just vibes with the theme of an Afro samurai. I love that. Do you see the voice cast on this fucking movie? This is uh, wild. Lucy, Lou too. Lucy Liu's on it too. Sam Jackson, Lucy Liu, Mark Hamill, Greg yep. Griffin, who's a fantastic voice actress. Uh, Yuri Lowenthal, who's a fantastic voice actor. He even voices Spider-Man in the Spider-Man games. Mm-hmm. And of course, the aforementioned Steve Blum. Spike Spiegel himself. Oh. Yep. Yep. The RZA is in this fucking movie from the Wu-Tang Clan. Yep. <laughs> the it RZA. Was, it was very, like, I don't know. that I, I kept watching it because the storyline, to me, was was different. I had never heard of anything like this before. Um, but then I also, it makes you question, like, how did an African-American, uh, not African-American, I would say, I would say a Black person how did they get into the samurai profession and it was like it was a very diverse movie it wasn't just one note of of of, of a race there was multiple races in and so it made me realize like it was a very conglomerative sort of movie with like hip-hop but you have samurai and japanese letters and it was it was interesting 
That sounds so I, amazing. The way that you also, um, or the way that the film kind of prescribes itself to the the revenge arc sounds really interesting to me. Like the you the the idea of literally bringing someone back just to get revenge on them. I love that because yeah. that would. <laughs> she was evil. That was an evil so villain. So I, I love that because if you look at this character here that I'm about to show you guys, his name is Nagoriyoki. He's from the fighting game Guilty Gear. He is based on Afro Samurai. Really? He's a blood okay. vampire. He's a vampire black ninja or black samurai. Oh, shit. So he is a black samurai that is also a vampire. He is yoked. Yes, yeah, he's yeah. very old. <laughs> Shit. I didn't know that. When when did he come out? Last year. Last year. Nagu- okay. Nagurioki. Nagurioki. And so he's actually a vampire, so he has a mechanic in his fighting where he can unleash all the bloodlust that he has and basically eliminate your health bar with one slash. However, he's constantly losing life at the same time. Oh, because yeah, he has to eat people to stay alive. Correct. So this character is super buff, amazing. Yeah. So I just thought that was really cool. I thought you guys would want to see that because it reminds me of that when I see it. Mm-hmm. Also on an un- kind of unrelated note, wasn't Sam Jackson was uh, in the boondocks, right? Yeah, wasn't he the grandfather? No, the grandfather was John, John, John Williamson. I forget. I forget his name, but uh, he's the, he's the dad from Friday. Yeah. John Witherspoon. Yeah. Oh, okay. No, I swear to God, no. Um, I think Sam Jackson plays like one of the rappers. Jim Rummy. Jim Rummy. Yeah, he plays a rapper, Jim Jim Rummy. Yeah. Okay, there we go. No. Also recommending. Yes. Boondocks in there. That's like one Listen, of my favorite. Boondocks is always recommendable because it's always good. <laughs> Why did they stop it? I don't understand it either. John Witherspoon. The world was not prepared for that. Um, and Regina King is absolutely amazing in that show. <laughs> absolutely amazing in that show. Love her. No, I I, I love Afro Samurai. It's actually really cool. Uh, Afro Samurai is such a really cool premise, if I'm being honest with you. And I don't know if you've ever seen the miniseries from 2007. No, I only watched this movie. So this movie is based on that. Oh, okay. Yeah, and it was it ran uh, on Cartoon Network and is currently available on Hulu uh, yeah. if you want to watch it. It was a series. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, it was a series, and it only had five episodes, but it, it's a short-run really series. Good. Fantastic stuff. Um, the guy who did this is also responsible for a lot of other really cool stuff. Um, and I just think that, uh, I, I really think that this movie is... <laughs> he actually did Basilisk, the guy who did Afro Samurai. Really? Yes, uh, I believe that Shay was mentioning Basilisk earlier. No, you were. Was not I me? Yeah, I mm. think it was you. <laughs> no, it was Nick. Nick mentioned it. Oh. Nick mentioned it. <laughs> Nick mentioned Basilisk earlier, and yeah, he's yeah, the same director that did this, and and also uh, Kuminori uh, Kazaki has done the only authorized X Men anime that's ever been made. Yeah, we've never seen that one. Well, it's pretty fucking dope. Wolverine looks like a badass. 
It came out in 2011 and it ran for 12 episodes and you guys should definitely check that out. It's $20 though on Prime to rent the entire series. But you also make cool like there is a true black samurai. They found out that there was a black samurai. So that was really cool. Back in the game. <laughs> oh, yeah. go ahead and go ahead and keep telling that story. That sounds dope. Yeah. I, I I don't know much about it, but yeah, they, they found out there they there was a, a black samurai a long, long time ago. Um I think there was like a, a kind of like a picture or something or a statue of him. It was definitely the statue. I remember the statue is like this big. Yeah. They're actually going to make a movie about it. So they're doing a lot of research on it. Like a true true story movie about it, which I am excited to see. Oh, so it's like almost, it's, it's got historical roots then. Yep. <laughs> that's pretty fucking cool. I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah. I love that. that. That's a that's such a cool pick because Afro Samurai is such an interesting, like I said, an interesting concept that people don't actually. Yeah watch because again it was a it was a a short-lived five episode arc and i think it actually ran on cartoon network on adult swim in 2000 yep i found it so it was in 1579 that his name is i can't pronounce his name it's a japanese name was a man of african origin who served as a retainer and weapon barrier barrier to the japanese Oh, not even probably their name, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's he's he arrived in Japan and served it, the Italians. This is sounds really. Wow. I hope they make a movie. I, they yeah, that would be really cool. <laughs> but yeah, um, he was around 1582, so that's really interesting. So that's still feudal Japan. Very cool. Yeah, Italian. I like that. Love it. Cool. I love that, and I love that it was a real thing. That rarely do anime take on real subject matter, and when they do, they usually goof it off. So, right, Afro Samurai not goofy at all. He's very, very violent, very violent. And there's a lot of hands being chopped off. It's very Quentin Tarantino comedy esque with the yeah, violence. Hello, Quentino. <laughs> the irony is, you mentioned uh, you mentioned uh, Kill Bill, but Lucy Liu's actually in Kill Bill also. So, yep. <laughs> So good pull there, Shay. All the way. I know you have one pick left. Yes. And tell us it why is- it's the greatest cyberpunk movie ever made. Because it is. It's Akira, obviously. Obviously, it's Akira. Um, the one movie that they showed us over and over in film school that was the best movie card that they could play, apparently. But um. I, I think that would go for anyone because this is genuinely one of the greatest movies as well as greatest animated films ever made of all time. Um, Cyberpunk, brilliantly animated, um, and a, a little bit of why uh, why this film is super personal to me. Um, before I actually watched the movie, I was terrified of it because of those high art weaves in high school. I was talking about would recommend me movies and stuff they showed me the trailer for Akira and I automatically like my <laughs> my Asian brain was like oh this is terrifying <laughs> I know what this is about this shit so I kind of had to prepare myself for you know what what it was this movie was bringing and and how serious it is but also in that it's it's not really a serious it, it's a serious film in how historical context brings the seriousness but also how things like stranger things is serious because it's a very dramatic very pulpy very adventurous 
incredibly epic movie. It is completely unmatched. Um, and I, I say that with stride, even talking about the movies that we have right now, Ghost in the Shell, Paprika, um, all those movies have their own strengths, but Akira is just somehow so much more singular. I don't know how to even put it necessarily, even talking about its strengths and all the things that it does like above and beyond and all that. It's just, it's a movie that's haunting. It's adventurous. You start feeling yourself sticking to the characters. Like I love Kaneda and I love Tetsuo because you feel for both of them. But you also Tetsuo's feel- Tetsuo's a dickhead. Tetsuo? I don't like or him. Kaneda. I don't like Tetsuo. They're all, they're all shitheads. Let's be real. Okay, so I was going to talk about that too. <laughs> You know, like in kind of a Stand By Me, Lord of the Flies kind of sensibility. You get this group of kids in this rogue environment. And they're in this little, they've they've all come from these troubled backgrounds because the majority of them, Tetsuo and Kaneda, know each other from being orphans straight out. Because uh, in an, also in an Evangelion sense, they've already been through... Um, a super tragedy where there was this explosion and then Neo Tokyo kind of had to start over and then now it's happening all over again. Um, but uh, you can tell how many movies, how many television shows, including Stranger Things, which is now one of the biggest television shows, especially Netflix products of all time, have been directly influenced by Akira, especially when you look at the character Eleven and that subject matter conflict with um the government and how you know maybe certain government facets are exploiting you know living things including children especially children um and it goes i think that's those are some of the most horrifying moments that this movie brings which are which land only just because well not just because but mostly because the animation is so complicated and grotesque, icky, and fleshy, and you feel disgusting. Like just everything is oh, so icky and fleshy, and it's a very squishy film. It's very squishy. Squishy, yeah. And- when they do really good squish, yeah, it's effective. Now, I will say this: uh, every anime has paid homage to this fucking movie. How many times have we seen the Akira slide? It's called the Akira slide because they invented it. Yeah. Wait, who even real life movies, even real life movies have done the Akira slide. Didn't even um, the new Batman movie do that recently? Yeah. Was the the Akira slide where Batman goes? Yeah. I love that. But that, I mean. It's a movie that stands the test of time. I think I've seen it at least four times by now. And I always get something from it just because it's it's another, it's not quite on the level of ADHD insanity as Paprika. But it's like, it's this is Paprika and then this is Akira. <laughs> like, it's pretty damn close. Batman, um, the animated series, Pokemon, they've all done it. They all pay homage to it. Pokemon? Yeah, Nurse uh, Officer Jenny. <laughs> Hits the slide. Oh my god. That's great. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. Lego yeah. movie? Lego movie does it? Uh yeah. nope. Yeah. No nope doesn't Akira slide. Yeah. Motorcycle 
scene. I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. Shit. That's amazing. But I mean, keep it keep it coming. Keep it going. Because Akira <laughs> is I mean, next I, I literally just said this about Paprika, but I'll say it again. Akira is like one of the best movies ever made. Especially animated films like Akira is probably like like up here somewhere. Like probably like up here somewhere. Like just an amazing film. It, it's um and honestly I think I think it, it it's also kind of like it it mixes a lot with Blade Runner because I looked I just looked up Blade Runner. Blade Runner was nineteen eighty two. Yeah. Which is impressive. But honestly, <laughs> I would have been like, Oh, Akira inspired Blade Runner. It's kind of maybe it was the other way around, but also it takes many years to make an animated film, especially on this caliber. So who knows? I think that but kind of as as mentioned though, Blade Runner is based on a short story by uh by Phil K. Dick. Was it a short? Oh, Blade yes. Runner. Yes. yes. I heard so. I was I was still hearing Akira in my head, which Akira is based on a manga as well. Yes. Yeah. But um, but the you... poster is also equally iconic, though. That poster's been parodied how many times? So many times. There is this one funny poster that for a movie, but I can't even remember what what it was. But it, yeah, Akira has been parodied. It's been it's been, <laughs> and I think it 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 should still be because it stands the test of time. And I hope you know the younger generation will catch on to Akira in films adjacent to Akira. But it's I just hope so. It's just such a wonderful fucking movie. It's so gorgeous. They get it's very very gory, um because there's. A lot of Cronenbergian flushy, um, you know, like bodily body movies. horror. Yeah, body horror. Um, sci-fi, um, dark fantasy. A lot of action scenes, which the action scenes are incredible because you've also got like all this technology. You got motorcycles. You got guns. You got these incredible, like expansive, but also at the same time crowded sets and all of that. Um, but it's such a meticulously every anime film I think no matter what caliber it's on even if it's badly made there's still some sort of ostentatious effort behind it so Akira being on the caliber that it is I don't know how they did that thing it's a it's ridiculously <laughs> gorgeous it's ridiculously detailed and I don't know how they did that all I know is the animator's definitely suffered <laughs> oh they they had to do a lot of gore yeah it's just an incredible movie it's it's it, like paprika it's another one of those i like to call them impossible movies because if they have if if they never existed i, I who i don't uh, there would have been people who thought about those things and dreamt about those things obviously but it's just it. They, those are movies that feel so unattainable and so like out there and creative and imaginative and there's just so much going into them you're just overwhelmed by the effort that's put into them so they're just mm. if you haven't seen it already you're not you're doing yourself a disservice literally you're you're losing years on your life by not seeing this movie <laughs> <laughs> this movie will give you life um, and if you've already seen it, fuck you. See it again. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> it's an amazing fucking movie. 
you heard what she said. It's literally the the reason that anime in America exists. I'm going to tell you an accurate story right now. So the year was 1999. I was approximately 12, 12 years old, and I was in the sixth grade. I was in art class. My art teacher was very young. She was only about 23 years old. She tells to us, this month, we're going to be studying Japanese animation. And I want to show you a film. And it is not a film for children, so you have to sign a permission slip. And that was when I experienced Akira. Props to your teacher. You learned that in high school? Junior high. But you got to remember, I went to junior high in California, so. Oh, gotcha. Props, props to your art teacher. God damn. Right? Dang. Yes, yes, she was pretty dope. Uh, that was at Buena Park Junior High in Buena Park, California. Uh, she was super fucking dope. Uh, she actually took us to the Getty Museum uh, the next semester. Actually, we went and saw a Monet exhibit. Nice. So lots, of, uh, lots of really dope still lives. <laughs> but I, I saw Akita and I, and I, I was like, what the hell did I just watch? And it made I, me want to take a deep dive because my my best friend in, in junior high was a kid named James Kim. He was a Korean American kid, so he would introduce me to all the cool Japanese shit. Uh huh. In exchange, I would make him tacos. <laughs> that's like our default, though. Like that that was my default too. In exchange for anything, I will make you a taco. <laughs> that's what it is. It's like, oh, you want that? Necesito comer. Está bien. <laughs> 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 always 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 and the thing is you know being salvadorian you know it's a little bit different than it is when you're mexican because usually you're trading pupusas for everything <laughs> <laughs> they're shaped I, like coins for a reason they're currency <laughs> what do you think about this having almost been made into a well i i'm not sure where the progress of of that is i'm pretty sure it's in um from what i hear it's in uh development hell but what do you guys think about this being a, a future, possibly a live action Taika Waititi film. No, thank you. They're making it. Are you talking about the the? Um, yeah. You, yeah, they're making it. No, I've thank you. Uh, we need seriousness, and Taika Waititi has proven that he cannot do serious. <laughs> yes and no. Even it's Jojo a- Rabbit has hints of comedy, and I don't need hints of comedy in Makita. Yeah. Yeah, they're making a live action. I love Taika, but no. That's all. This movie that I mean that's and that's the sad part about adaptations, especially nowadays. They take a perfect movie and they're like, it's gonna be live action. Uh-huh. Because nobody ah! can make new regulars or stories anymore. Yes, yes. Uh also, profit. Also, Akita is available on Hulu and Funimation. So if you have a Hulu account, watch this movie. Do it immediately. This is the advent of the anime in America right here with this film. Oh, They're making fuck. it. Fuck. They're making it. I like him as a director. He's a good director. I saw yeah. Thor Love and Thunder and wanted to punch myself in the fucking arms. I think the first Thor, Thor Ragnarok wasn't. I, I enjoyed it. But Love, Love and Her- Thunder was terrible. Why? Okay, Taika Watiti said this thing once. 
You gotta make one of theirs to make one of your own. Yeah. Listen, if we get more Jojo Rabbit and less of that. But even then, I love Taika, but wasn't he the the main producer behind the Cowboy Bebop remake as well? And um... the DA rests his case. (laughs) (laughs) Akira's already a perfect movie. The best that we can do. Okay, so here's, here's my little tiny spiel. When a movie is perfect like that, and this is what I, I'm always hearing from people, and it's it's not directly ageist, but they're kind of being, people being ageist against themselves or whatever. I mentioned a band, or I mentioned a movie that came, like, might have like come before my time, and they're like, whoa, you weren't born yet, or you weren't old enough to really, like, oh, so you're into that? Like, that's crazy. And I'm like, well, yeah, art... A human art should stand the test of time. Yep. And us as art appreciators, it is our responsibility to keep passing that love down. So that's where adaptations come in, or at least where they say they come in. You know, at least if you're taking it from Disney's reasoning for making more and more adaptations. Oh, we're making it for the kids. We're making it for the younger crowd. Disney does Dude, it because they're lazy. I was yep. born when Aladdin came out. And I love that movie. Just show your kids fucking movies. Yeah. <laughs> All you have to do is show them movies. There's a reason that movies exist. I'm about to go on tangent. Tangent. Go. Uh, he did not make that movie. How about Peepop? Or the series? No, he did not. No, no, no. No. No, no I think he produced it. I don't, see it. I don't see it on the... He didn't. No, he didn't. Uh uh-uh. uh. It's not on his IMBD. Huh. Yeah, he did he didn't he didn't actually do that one. So we can't blame him for that one. I dodged a bullet. Also, there I is Go ahead. Spike Spiegel. Really? Really? Yeah. Have found like another Asian actor who could better fit Spike Spiegel. You had to nothing against John Cho. But why, why, why? Just bring more Asian actors in. I do love John Cho, though. I love John Cho. Carolyn Kumar. Um, Searching, but... Columbus. Yeah. But there's more... What I'm saying is there's more Asian actors than the Asian actors, famous Asian actors that already exist. And that's where A24 also gets it right. But... Correct. Yeah. So many other talents out there, especially new ones, they need to bring on board. Exactly. And that's Correct. why, yeah, that's where gets it right. They do bring, you know, established people in, but they also bring so many like new faces in. Again, so, talk to me is that. But um, I didn't like that movie that much. I thought the third act suffered and talked to me. So I liked it. It's fine. It's my, it made my tummy hurt. <laughs> It's fine. The third act, though, it lets the rest of the movie down for me. Uh, the, but uh, the first two acts are fucking killer. Agreed. Great movie. Great movie. Uh, my my point is, this is what you have to realize, and this is what a lot of people who don't show their children's movies don't realize. When you do a movie, you live forever. Mm-hmm. You, will never, you will never be dead. As long as humanity or some sort of perspective is around to, to view it, 
there is no limit on anything which is why i also get mad when a movie has been out for like 50 years and they're like oh you should have already seen it by now dude do you know how many movies i have to catch up on no, film professors would spoil movies for me and use that excuse. I'm like, excuse me? I'm like, I've seen so many old movies, but that that's still just, like, no excuse to spoil a movie for me. That came wanna, out in the... Recommend it to me first, okay? I want to point something out. There are... If you go to Netflix, Netflix, which is a brand new technology, you know, less than, you know, 20 years old, right? You can actually find A Trip to the Moon, which came out over 100 years ago on netflix wow the actors and actresses in this mo- in a trip to the moon have been dead longer than i've been alive yet they're still around yet they yeah. still exist on celluloid clark gable one of my favorite actors of all time died in 1965 1963 1963 wow. last film was the misfits 1962 but he's still every time i turn on my blu-ray uh Criterion Blu-ray copy of it happened one night. There he is, alive and smirking, <laughs> and handsome with a mustache. Oh, Bastard. <laughs> Listen, I saw the documentary on him. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, you already no. know Clark Gable can get it. Yeah, I mean, my okay. So I had my mom very faintly feature on the last podcast episode which was super cute i hate that she didn't do the the misery quote for me though i had to do it for her because she's so shy but she didn't care what any point in time you know uh, a movie or a show came from she showed it to us anyway so Mm -hmm. i got to see films from the 20s they're on um as a kid and I don't know if I, I I don't know if older people or just people from different eras think that kids don't get it because they That's do. completely untrue because maybe maybe they won't if they're already like established in internet culture and TikTok and all that which is why kids kind of shouldn't be on social media period but <laughs> I had I had the best film education from my mother. Because she showed us, like, Shirley Temple movies. She showed us movies from the 40s, the 30s, they're on, and just things from all decades that, that where where we could really start to understand history and culture and why they made the movies the way they did. So if, if you're someone who has a kid at any age or just know, if you just know people who might be into something, don't be afraid to recommend them that piece of art, whether it's film, whether it's, music or whatever you know like everyone enjoys monet or monk or even well you could say picasso i don't know Lichtenstein. i personally don't but kids will get it they understand if the art is good the art will do its job yep that's that's totally correct my mother showed me her favorite horror movie when I was nine years old, and it was Hitchcock's The Birds. Oh, I love that. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, my mom loves Hitchcock, by the way. It's funny. Uh, <laughs> yeah, she loves Hitchcock, uh, which is weird because she doesn't like horror movies. My mom. Uh, you know, but it's uh, it's funny because I remember seeing that and my grandfather telling my mom, he, he can't see that. He's, he's too young to be watching that. And she said to him, 
that movie is less violent than the last three John Wayne movies you showed him. <laughs> right? <laughs> so we're going to sit here and we're going to watch this because we're going to watch A Master at Work. <laughs> they don't call Hitch, oh, oh, Alfie Hitch, the master of suspense for nothing. I was watching horror movies with my grandmother growing up. She loves zombie movies. And yeah, stuff. but su abuelita está loco. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> my abuelita loca in general. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, she's crazy. So it, it is what it is. You know what I mean? Uh, I, got, but... I got it too hard because of my mom. When I was really like a baby, she uh, would let me watch Freddy Krueger with her. So that's how I got into all that. Wait. <laughs> Although the best, yeah. the best horror, Freddy Krueger movie is the third one, which I believe came out in 1987. Actually. Yep. Yep. That's the best. Dream Warriors. Best one. Uh, yep. I love that it, one. That's my favorite. <laughs> it's the best one. It has all the best kills. Like it has the top three best kills in the Freddy uh zeitgeist all in that same movie you know what i mean yeah. like it's it's pretty fucking pretty fucking good movie love it yep. uh i i love the conversation we're having about this because akira opens up so much for for so many mm -hmm. people and i love that we're basically hammering home the fact that they don't need to remake these things because if i ever see my next pick which is my last pick i'm waiting for shay to come back so we can talk about this because she actually watched the movie oh, really? um uh, yes, she watched this movie, and it's. It, it, I think it might be one of my favorite uh, favorite anime films ever made. It's my last pick, and it's a movie from two thousand and nine, directed by Takeshi Koike, and it is called Redline. Redline, looking at it. I've never heard of this movie until Will put it in his um his list. And I was trying to get oh. time to watch all the movies, but I watched this one. And it is fantastic. I watched it with Landon. He's not, he doesn't like anime as much as he's like, oh, I like Dragon Ball Z. Oh. I've tried time and time again to show him anime, but this one he loved. Mm -hmm. Like on a whole other level. I can't even I, describe it. Like I know, I know what baby boy likes. I know what the baby boy likes. <laughs> 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 Landon is the most romantic person of all time. This <laughs> film is so goddamn romantic and it doesn't deserve to be that romantic because it's also action-packed, beautifully shot, beautifully directed, wonderfully voice acted, and it looks like a million dollars. This movie starts out as a racing movie. What? <laughs> Your main character is a racer named Sweet JP who's just escaped out of, who's just gotten out of jail for match race fixing. Oh my met by a childhood friend named Crab Shaughnessy, who's another fellow racer, gorgeous. Um, and they the the plan of other racers that are in this movie. It basically if the pod racing scene from Star Wars Episode One were a whole movie, and the cast of characters were all interesting, you would get Redline. Throw in the fact that they're holding the Redline series, which is the highest series that you can have on Robo World a world where no one's allowed to go because they don't want all their secrets shown on live TV in front of billions of people. So now you have the red line race being run, but the leadership of, of robo world is bound and damn determined to kill every single racer so that they don't have their secrets unveiled in front of everybody. Sweet JP, the main character basically looks like Johnny Bravo and Elvis. I was to say his hair looks like Johnny Bravo. Huge pompadour. <laughs> And then he's got his his best his his best friend Frisbee, who's an alien of unknown origin, 
that's uh, basically in deep with the mob because he put a lot of money on JP and JP fucked up. Uh, Crab Shaughnessy's bound and determined to prove that she is the strongest racer because she's a woman and she has to prove her worth instead of just being taken at face value. But again, this movie is incredible. There's some nudity in it. It does get a little gratuitous for no reason, but... <laughs> we'll say it's, it's sexy. It's very sexy. <laughs> uh, but this movie, at its core, is a romance. Because as previously mentioned, Cra- uh, Shaughnessy and, J- and Sweet JP don't... Uh, they knew each other when they were younger racers. Shaughnessy doesn't remember this, at least not initially. But JP does, and JP's never forgotten how much he loves and is inspired by Shaughnessy. Mm. It's a beautiful fucking movie. And now I'm going to stop talking so she can tell you what she thinks of this movie. Because I am in, I'm enamored by how wonderful this movie is. I think enamored is is the word to describe the, the watching experience for this movie. Um, the animation... First of all, is very eye-catching. It's incredibly unique. I don't think I've ever seen anything like it other than JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Yep. But even then, it's it's somehow just as, if not more, elastic and more. Yep. I don't know, just elastic. It more... looks like the Brothers Grimm and JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Yeah, I I I would I would say so. Like it it has like these bright like bright colors but also pastels but then it also has like this dark graphic shading like like an anime or a comic book or anything but then the animation is super super articulate um and and considering the the scope of the animation because will remind me how long did it take to animate this movie or make this movie fucking forever dude like 10 years 10 fucking years to make this goddamn movie you told me that i was like yeah, like it doesn't look like it, but there's so many characters. Her. Look at that. Look at that animation. <laughs> this movie is. They have dogs and cats in here. I'm watching uh, it right now. Yes. <laughs> look at Sean. Sha- look at Shaughnessy. Look how fucking cool she looks. She's Every scene. So... Oh, it's so cool looking. It's trippy. It's super high contrast. It's like you're, it's like you're an acid. <laughs> it's Literally. one of the coolest fucking movies. It's available on Tubi for free, yep. so all you have to Tubi. do is go watch it. It's the coolest fucking movie, and I think everybody will love it. I consider this. This is also one of the movies that's in my top five anime movies of all time. Right here. So pretty. It's really like a painting, like in it. That's it's so one of my favorite modern anime movies it's just so romantic it's so beautiful so wonderfully told and i I, i'm so happy that you actually took a shot on it shay because you know me i usually when i pick them i pick them (laughs) (laughs) oh i don't know and usually i mean usually for me i have to prepare myself for that but redline i had no idea what i was getting into um it kind of reminded me of that one scene i can't even remember which movie it came from but i know it was an anime i don't know if it was neo tokyo i think it was an anthology where it's it's a racing it's a scene of a racer and basically he's going so fast that his face like peels off um and it kind of reminded me of that kind of energy where it's just like a cracked out anime version of wreck it ralph so there's so what she's talking about is in this world in the world of this movie there are Four different kinds of nitro. Silver nitro, which is your basic boost. The gold nitro, which is your extreme boost. Your platinum 
which is almost nobody can handle. And then there's the Sapphire boost. And nobody has ever controlled the Sapphire boost outside of Godwing, who's the five-time defending Redline champion. The reason he's the five-time defending Redline champion is because Godwing is a mech. His car is also part of him. He's a cheater. He's a cheater. Yeah. Oh, what, cheater! What do you what do you do to win against a cheater? Cheat. You gotta out cheat him. Nope. You gotta outsmart him and out cheat him. <laughs> How this movie like progresses and the ra- I mean everything from the races to the dialogue scenes to everything in between. It's just like it's cracked out. Like every scene is so pulpy and just full of life, and all of the characters are like, "Oh, we gotta do the thing!" And oh my god, like there's so much pressure on us, and and all these things, and the world building is great. And I think Landon was the one who said it, but he was like, "This would make a fucking great video game." Like, it's, a it's got game. a lot of it's got a lot of heavy metal influence in it. Yeah, huh. <laughs> artwork looks like like almost tattoo esque. Yeah. yeah, so Very it's that's what I'm talking line. about. So it's got that bold JoJo bold line style mixed with like yeah. heavy metal from 1985. It's JP's hair for me. I was like, I, I, there's got to be He's some cute. Story. <laughs> he's hot but listen he's sweet J- he's sweet jp come on now okay, okay. This girl's so hot though this this movie is for the guys girls gays and days yeah 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 it really it really is because there's there's even gay characters in this movie nice yeah there's a little bit because it, it's cool it's like it, it combines like it, it almost kind of feels like it, it could have been in like could have been like a Star Wars movie or in the Star Wars universe. He's Not- like the smallest vehicle of all of us. Correct. He actually drives mm-hmm. only he only drives a Trans Am. He drives an actual car. He drives an actual car. Everyone else has something else. Yeah. Well yeah, because like Crab Shaughnessy Shaughnessy's car is like a fucking boat also. Yeah. Oh this movie is insane. This movie is insane. It literally is. It's cracked out. And that's why I loved it. And like getting into it, it was just like the the sub is good, but the dub is also like really great. And there's the like dub is ace. a ton of talent before like behind there. Like the the guy who plays his alien Frisbee. Um, death, I, I forget his name, but he's been in everything. Like I swear to God, I've heard his voice in like he's like the Troy Baker of anime, I swear to God, but I can't I could never remember his name. He was also in, like, the Professor Layton, Layton games, which I grew up with. Yeah, his name's Liam O'Brien. <clears throat> is he an elf? No. Oh, he has just, like, elf ears. I was like, what? He's an yeah. alien of That's unknown origin. But the funny thing is, this is actually, the funny thing is, the guy who yeah. voices J- JP is also in JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Oh. He plays the main antagonist of the first half of the series, Dio. <laughs> which of course is a re- uh, if you don't know about jojo's bizarre adventure a lot of the characters are r- rock and roll references so the main pro- antagonist dio is a reference to ronnie james dio the second singer of iron maiden or of, uh, of uh, black sabbath when i was watching the movie and i saw the style and jp's fucking like hairstyle his giant what do you call it pompadour pompadour Thank you. The giant fucking greaser pompadour there. All I could think of was JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Yep. 
it had to have like i swear it had to have had the same like shared some of the animators or or art directors or or something so the funny thing is that voice of shaughnessy might sound familiar and do you know why why because the voice of shaughnessy is wendy lee who was iconically also the voice of Faye Valentine. <gasps> oh, best girl! She's also, she's also key in Akira. Oh, oh my gosh. She's that also is... Kagero in Ninja Scroll. We have come full uh-huh. she's, she's also <laughs> Charlotte in Vampire Hunter D. Oh, <laughs> she's everywhere. She is everywhere. But that's what I love about like anime voice actors. It's just like you you can notice them or you can never know that they're there. And then it's like next thing you know, it's just like, oh, the same guy who who voiced Light Yagami and Black Butler also was the uh, uh, fucking what's his name from Steins Gate. I was like She also voiced Nakai in Bell, the wonderful anime movie that's an honorable mention for me that came out two years ago. Hell or Bell? Bell. Oh, I, I need to see that one. Fantastic. I still need to see it. That I wanted to watch it for research for um for this uh episode, but I, I didn't have time. Rip. But yeah, no. it's, fan- it's fantastic. Yeah. It's beautiful. Fantastic movie. And yeah, like we like we kept like Will and I keep reiterating, and if Landon was here, he would too. I could see <laughs> I mean he's my husband and I could see it in his eyes. He was just like after the movie ended, he was just like like he literally got so mushy afterwards. <laughs> that ending is so fucking good. No, literally the ending. Well, I'm not gonna say, it, but it's it's really cute. I love it. <laughs> Honestly, like um, as far as like modern anime films go, like this next to Paprika, fucking watch them because it's it's kind of pitiful. Honestly, I have never heard of this movie before Will mentioned it in our chat leading up to this podcast episode. I'd never heard of this movie. And that's that's really like huh. that's really weird. That's really off putting. So now we're putting it out there. Definitely watch Redline. But is I it also back- surprising that I would pick something that no one's ever fucking seen, but that's also fire? Not really. Not surprising, you hipster weeb. Hey, hey, I usually have one every podcast that no one's ever seen, but that's absolute fire. <laughs> I, I do my best to to do the same. You never know. <laughs> usually you bring the fire. That's for sure. Usually I, your picks I, are, are pretty fast. That's for sure. But yeah, no, definitely Redline. Um, I would, I would love to legitimately, and I probably will at some point, have a watch party where I just show it to people. Because it's so fun. It's juicy, juicy eye candy, kind of like how Paprika is. Mm-hmm. Um, Animation-wise, because Paprika is just like... Up there. And then up there, Paprika, somewhere? Here is like up here. Redline <laughs> is like... It's pretty up there. Um, it's so eye-catching, and I can you can tell that a lot went into the animation. Um, and into the story. It, it kind of... Um, it's, it's pacing wise, structurally, it's, it's almost kind of very sporadic, but it still stays on focus. Um, I'd say it's more on focus, but just as sporadic as, um, mind games is, if anyone knows what, what that is. 
mind game will it's by the same dude who did um i believe it's by the same dude who did devil man crybaby and um japan saints mm. and um those movies that you didn't like oh a girl walks home I, I do like that one. You, you're talking about the, the not a girl walks home alone at night. The other one, a girl uh -oh. does something, something, um, something, something. Yeah. <laughs> the one anime, anime movie that I, I reviewed years and years ago. Yes, 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 yes. That was, not, that looks really yeah, cool. Not the Iranian, is it Iranian? Never mind. Not the vampire movie. <laughs> no, yeah. You're, you're not talking about girl walks home alone at night. That's, that's, that's the vampire from movie from Iran. Yeah. It's also a, oh it is Iranian, but also that's also a really great movie. I do recommend it is. that. But it is. Yeah. That director's newest movie is actually pretty fire too. Yeah, Northland is amazing, and I I was also surprised by how modern it was. But it was so cute. Certain things about it were tongue in cheek. It was really funny, like the dialogue and the characters are legitimately like eye catching and charismatic and funny. Mm -hmm. uh, it's so well written beautifully dubbed um like incredibly like impossibly animated which i i think is the overarching commonality with all of our our choices in film is it's just like how how the fuck did this happen how how did they make right? this and like i don't understand how this something like this is possible but i think that's also how animation what i love is it's also got some squishy parts <laughs> a lot of squishy parts yeah uh and i, I the the movie is uh, is a racing film and it moves at 100 miles per hour yeah there you go that's the tagline right there you know it, it literally it's an it's a racing film that does not stop racing even in the moments where there's the subtle silences and then the little character moments like there's a great character moment in the third act of the movie where we we get to know a little bit more about frisbee's backstory with jp but also somehow Shaughnessy as well. Um, it's one of my favorite scenes in the movie, actually. And it's just one of the slowest scenes. Mm -hmm. But it really sets in motion everything else. And that's what I love about that scene. That's 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 Those are my picks. I have a bunch of honorable mentions. Do you have any honorable mentions, Shay? Um, for now, mainly just the one. And that's Belladonna of Sadness. Um, I don't know if of anyone course. I know. <laughs> no, okay, so we'll actually put it in chat or we were like just messaging each other. He was like, I'm surprised that you didn't go with Belladonna of Sadness. And for me, Belladonna of Sadness is the dancer in the dark version of an anime film. Um, you can take it or leave it, but for me it's an incredibly feminist work of art of a very brief um like a very brief point in time for a production company that came out with those kind of risque alternative animated films but belladonna of sadness talking about it very very quickly is basically this adaptation you could say it, it's a it, it's an adaptation but basically it combines elements of um folklore fairy tale stories like grim or whatever and the and the story of joan of arc um which the main character her name is jean which is based on Joan and her her story basically kind of is inspired by the story of Joan of Arc and all of that but it, it covers themes like um, interpreting Satanism where femininity and beauty mm. is misconstrued as being evil 
and <laughs> she's basically outcasted because she's gorgeous but she's also not someone born into a rich family kind of thing um and she suffers because of it <laughs> excuse me i sneeze because it's true and <laughs> it's, a, it's a really gorgeous film it's done pretty much entirely in watercolors um in these giant like panning like panels and all of that i actually want to get like a, a full like back tattoo someday when i'm rich and famous uh of inspired by that film but it's one of the most beautiful anime films that i've ever seen that also doesn't feel like an anime film because it it, it, it commits itself so harshly to the feminine experience and how when you feel outcasted because you are a feminine person or you feel feminine or even if you're outcasted because people say that you're feminine you know things can happen positively or disastrously and there's a lot there's surrealism that plays into that um there's a lot of powerful moments it, it describes kind of like the masculine and feminine roles especially in traditional in a traditional timeline but also how that kind of applies to how it is today because it, it was literally released in what the late 70s early 80s so 1973 oh i was wrong early 70s but even then the early 70s would um would confront those themes um and belladonna of sadness is definitely one of the most confrontational feminist films um of all time at least if you're looking at feminist media especially if you're looking at animated film because mm -hmm. Like I said before, animated and anime, animated films and anime films, or you could even say maybe the maybe movies in general have been, you know, headed by by masculine figures to where it, it can turn into something exploitative or something nondescriptive to where the female character is just something to be a love interest or a damsel in distress or wait, rape bait. Um and in that case, in this case, it uses those functions and uses those tropes and kind of flips them on their head in a more realistic, more visceral, vicious context. This movie is actually very brutal and very vicious. Um, even though it's in watercolors and it's very pretty and it's got this beautiful 70s, like, retro aesthetic, it's incredibly brutal. Have you all ever seen the the yellow submarine aesthetic from the Beatles? Because it reminds yeah. me of that. Kind of like that, right? Like oh, for the benefit of Mister Kite type shit. It's definitely trippy, and it yeah, yeah, it definitely has that kind of like traditional like artistry about it. It's definitely like an artsy film. It's a high art. It's another one of those high art. Gorgeous movie. film directed by a man though, Yuchi Yamamoto. Mm -hmm. So you got the male gaze on that whole female spin there. I think that's really interesting. You can say that, but the if you look at the final moments of that film, it always makes me tear up because as a woman, and if you're looking, I mean, Joan of Arc is a is a historical figure, yeah. uh, from a long long time ago. We don't actually know kind of what that was, other than how people interpret her story to be. At least in my opinion, I'm not very versed in, in all of that. But the way that that movie kind of takes those mechanics and takes inspiration from her story and all of that. And 
literally um, places her in the position position of a witch. So basically, this woman is taken advantage of on her wedding night or on her engagement night um, because she's to be wed to um, a man um, who isn't in any sort of place of royalty or anything like that. It's a village she's taken advantage of. And it's super fucking traumatic. But then she's approached by a, a different aspect of being, which um, also approaches things like how how womanhood and femininity is viewed as the basis of um, evil and Satanism, which is like honestly pretty awesome. <laughs> the way that they put it in this film, yeah, of um, kind of like phallic or genitalia as symbolism but also like like combining that with like natural um you know organic stuff like flowers and and then you know scenes where characters are making love and just all that different stuff it's really incredible and also in japan i learned this from from that movie specifically but in japan the color green could be used as a symbol for both nature and Satan, which mm. is really interesting to th for me to think about. Where you, it, it, in the in the language that this movie uses, femininity, femininity, nature, and the devil are kind of one and the same because they're all ostracized as um, evil and as like power, like weak powerless useless something to be taken advantage of but then in the movie it also frames it as the opposite so it, you you see like a, a bunch of different angles but it also takes place in a medieval context but it could also be applied to a modern context there's tons of stuff wow. to a ton of sadness that is that just blows my mind to this day i first saw this film when i was also i think very young 14 or 15 years old which i would not recommend this movie for 14 or 15 year olds <laughs> <laughs> i was a, i was um a special kind of 14 year old. you're still a special kind of something i know <laughs> but that's why i'm recommending this movie and this really is an important movie to watch I, I think especially for for anyone who isn't necessarily versed in feminist film who think feminist film is just putting down men that's not what it's about it's mm -hmm. about exploring femininity, the place of femininity in history, and also how how detrimental, but how much like people have suffered over time because of the idea and the concept of of right. womanhood or femininity, whether or not you're a woman or a man. And this film definitely explores a lot of that in a lot of a with so much emotional depth. That by the end of the movie, you're just kind of broken down into like um, a a plate of like a bowl of potato salad. You're just mush afterwards. <laughs> you're just mush. And it's I love it for that. I have cried to Belladonna of Sadness, but I didn't want it to make it one of my main picks just because I feel like I talk about it so much. But it does deserve to be seen. So if you haven't already seen it and you can and you consider yourself a an animationophile, a cinephile, a weeb. You have to see it, and if you think it's overhyped, then that's fine. Then you, you just didn't get anything from it, and that's okay. 
I love that. Uh, you had one. You had one honorable mention this time, and you spoke about it longer than you spoke about most of your honorable mentions on other podcasts. <laughs> so, love That's that. Fine. Some of my honorable mentions are literally anything made by Mamoru Hosada. So you could be Wolf Children, Mirai. Literally, pick one. I was going to say Wolf Children. Pick Wolf one. Children. Um, uh, obviously, it's a, a great film. Great film. Tragic, beautiful movie. Um, Bell, I mentioned earlier, uh, Your Name, which is a great, great modern. I don't know if you guys have seen Your Name, but if you want to talk about me bringing the waterworks, that's the one. Every single time, that one's real sad, makes me real, un- real, real unhappy when I watch it. Um, <laughs> Depression, the movie, love it. Um, what else do I oh, have? Oh, how about Summer Wars? That's another fantastic movie. That's another really fantastic movie. Yeah, great pick there. Um, love that one. Uh, Millennium Actress, because Satoshi Khan is God. Uh, obviously. Yeah, a, a Silent Voice, which Shay mentioned earlier, which is a fantastic movie. Uh, anything from Yako Namada is usually pretty good. Um, Listen to Bluebird. Lou Over the Wall. Night is Short, Walk On Girl. That's the one you were referring oh. to earlier. Night is Same Short, got same director as Lou Over the Wall. Both very, very good. Fantastic films. Um, just a lot of really great anime uh, films out there that people need to watch outside of w- watching regular anime programs. I actually prefer watching the movies because then I can get in, get out, and I'll have to watch 397 episodes like Naruto or 1,580 episodes like One Piece. All right. <laughs> Where one, like, one episode is only one-fourth of like a scene. Hold on, I'm about to give you. I'm about to give you a 30 minute episode of Dragon Ball Z. Uh, that's it. Uh, Next time on Dragon Ball Z. It's up for 27 and a half minutes. Stay tuned next time for Dragon Ball Z. That's that's exactly how an episode of that show goes. But uh. Yes, group hug. Uh, and then Krillin, Krillin gets it in on an Android. What? Because uh, Krillin's the man. So that that was our that was our primary topic. The second topic is going to be not that long because I really wanted to focus on talking about this movie that's about to be made by a certain Shay Simone, her directorial debut. So Shay, I'm going to give you the floor to talk to everybody about why they need to give you some money so you can make this movie happen. I'm poor. Please give me money. Um, <laughs> exactly that so um if you guys didn't already hear from the previous episode but also i'm gonna go like slightly more in depth um into it while keeping it as condensed as i possibly can i um this is our platform you take as long as you goddamn will f- feel like doing it you understand thank you gracias mi amado um Italian. Dinner. <laughs> But uh, yeah, basically, um, I'm a I'm directing a prequel that's going to end up being the second part in a vampire anthology film that takes place in Lordis Verre's A Lord to Darkness um, universe, and it's a it's a vampire movie, which is so super exciting because y'all know that I love genre films, I love sub sub genre, I love dark fantasy. I'm evoking every everything that I love from that kind of like area and all of that into this movie if you love blade if you love queen of the damned 
Bram Stoker's Dracula, um, directed by some motherfucker who directed The Godfather, I guess. Um, <laughs> Bram Stoker's Dracula, that that fucking guy, that fucking yeah, whatever. Francis Ford fella. I I guess so. I I think he has a bunch of family members. Oh, I heard his daughter's talented. His daughter, maybe his like um, what is it? His nephew. Yeah, what like several of of them, including. Uh, one nephew who's a crush of one Miss Gina Delgado's. <laughs> Which one? Jason Schwartzman. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, but I also have a okay. So I'll talk about that after my movie. But I actually, by the way, Asteroid City sucks balls. I I wasn't crazy about it. It's a new Wes Anderson movie where Jason Schwartzman's front and center, Gina. Well, kind of. I know, right? Dead inside, but not in a good way. But anyway. Going back to my movie, for now, um, yeah, basically my husband plays the main character. He's this um, antagonist villain character. We in, we took influence uh, from like Patrick Bateman from American Psycho, Nicolas Cage's character from Vampire's Kiss, and all that jazz and all of that. So he's playing that character in this movie now, where um, basically he kind of goes on a rampage and is trying his best to to become some sort of figure in the contemporary and modern world, but it also has parallels to how narcissists and people who bring their egos into the industry affect those around them and all of that. And, and Lourdes brings a lot of her personal experience to that. I've also had personal experience with um, professors doing that kind of whack <laughs> shape industry and all of that. Thanks, you know, the LA. Um, And we also get to see Victor's origin story, which takes place somewhere around the 16th century. So you also get a period scene. There's lots of blood blood and guts. It's very giallo. 2000s action movie inspired. We love Queen of the Dam, Brand Circus, Dracula, Blade, American Psycho, Clockwork Orange. Those are all major influences to the movie. I'm directing it. I got brought on to to direct it as the prequel destiny soria it was brought on as executive producer which i was like oh my gosh <laughs> but yeah things are very falling into place but something we definitely do need is money because pretty much all of the sets um and a lot of the you know the the production design is pretty much all coming from me um, some of it is coming from Destiny and whoever else can, you know, donate whatever other things that we need to set. Um, I'm also covering costumes and all of that. I'm doing all the costume designing myself. I'm uh, head of the production design department. I did all of the storyboards myself. I did the shot list myself. I've designed this movie from kind of the ground up. Um, well, also thanks to Lourdes's guidance and then from there on to try and get the movie out there thanks to Destiny and Mortis. Um, but we we definitely need your guys' help. So any film snobs out there who are just like, wow, this bitch talks shit about movies. I wonder what she's capable of. <laughs> Try me. <laughs> Listen, if you guys want to be able to talk shit to Shay, put your money where your mouth is, put money on her movie, and if you don't like it, you get to talk shit about it. <laughs> that you want but we definitely do need help because like i said while we're putting costs you know we we are putting which anytime i i go into a major 
um, production or major art project like this, I spend my time, which is money and money on it. So I spent a lot of money on this movie and that is fine. But when it comes to providing for our cast and crew, yeah. making sure they're provided for, making sure that their time is as compensated as we're able to make it and feed them. That's where we need you got your guys' help. So please, please, please um, check me out on um, my Instagram, which y'all should know by now. But it's at Limina underscore 1999. I have the link in my bio. Destiny has the link in her bio at, what is it, Destiny Soria? Mm-hmm. Yep. And um, we also have an Instagram for the movie itself, which is I'm underscore everywhere underscore official. So please check us out for the love of God, for the love of Satan, vampires, everything. Word, spread the word. Are the guys, if you guys love what she does with us, you guys are going to love what she can do behind the camera. And to be able to do that, obviously, she needs her funds. So give this woman some money because she's poor. Yes, I am poor. I'm taking on a third job next month, baby. Just to make sure, just to make this happen for you guys. And And here's the thing, guys. The less that she, the less time she has to herself, the less she can write for us and do all the fun stuff that she wants to do with us. Uh, you know, so having to get a third job means she's going to be even more busy. So I'm going to be trying a lot more. That's okay. Give, give her, give her your money. They have an Indiegogo. There's very, there's different tiers that you can, you can join at. Uh, make sure you do that. There's going to be a link at the bottom of this podcast alongside our, our other links, including our link to Ewin Gaming Chairs, where you get 30% off when you use Film Snob Review as your code at checkout. That re- that will also be in there as well, so you can donate to the Indiegogo and make sure that this happens, because who doesn't want to see Landon Baby Boy as a villain? Oh, he's Can't see it. Can't see it. He's too nice a guy. <laughs> no, you'll see. That's how good of an actor he is. He's gonna be He great. is a good actor, but he's also an incredibly nice man. He's the <laughs> nicest person I know, and that's saying a lot. Very sweet. He's my uh, see, see, I would take I would take offense to that, but I'm an asshole. So <laughs> <laughs> But you're like you're like a, a chaotic good asshole. Yes, yes, I am chaotic good personified. That's actually pretty accurate. Guys, <laughs> That that's it for episode twenty six of the Snobcast. First and foremost, I want to thank our guest Destiny Sorry for being there. Obviously, we already gave them your Instagram handle, which is Destiny Is that correct? Destiny Soria, yeah. At Destiny and, where, Soria. and where else can they reach you if they want to harass you online? Uh, Facebook, <laughs> Lady Destiny's Production LLC. Uh, I have my feature film Christmas Slasher on there on Instagram. If you want to check that out, uh, it releases next year. I'm super stoked. <laughs> we we're we're gonna have to get my buddy on here. His name's Dylan. He's a, he specializes in slasher films. We gotta get him on here to talk about your movie because uh, yeah. that's amazing. Obviously, once again, we have the multi-talented and incredible Shay Simone. Thanks for being here once again with me, as you are every month. Uh, where can people harass you besides Lemon underscore ninety nine, which is your Instagram? Well, um, I hate to say it, but I'm back on Facebook. But don't follow her there because she fucking hates all of you. Actually, I love it. Follow me now. You can follow me now. Uh, it's, at- uh, yeah, as Shay Simone, Shay spelled like chai, which is tea. Yes. And in 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 Punjab, so you don't spelled have to like, actually. Spelled like the tea, said like the butter. You don't have to say it like you don't have to call it chai tea because that's just tea tea, which is a joke from the Spider Verse movie that came out this year. 
Yeah. <laughs> Very good joke. And then, of course, the doctor herself, Dr. Gina Dell, got to work with people find you if they want to harass you all right. You know what? I'm on TikTok. I have a new channel called Gina of All Pentacles. Uh, <laughs> it's, a t- it's tarot reading. <laughs> so, Sweet. <laughs> so it's G-I-N-A of All Pentacles. And that's on TikTok. And so I'm just trying to ramp up that. that, uh, And I have my other channel listed right there if you want to go look at my other channel. But uh, yeah, at Gina of All Pentacles and TikTok. Damn right. And make sure you guys are following me at at all the social medias on the website. uh, So it'd be at Film Snob Reviews. But you can also follow my personal Instagram, which is the love song writer, L-U-V love, not L-O-V-E love. Uh, And also uh, the same on TikTok, as well as my personal Twitter, which is my first name without the IAM at the end and my last name. Uh, but basically on there, I just harass people about sports and video games. <laughs> and then on TikTok, my personal TikTok, I just talk shit about music, which is something I know even little less about than I do film, obviously, uh, being sarcastic. Uh, make sure you're following us and taking a, taking a look at all of our shit because we do this podcast because we fucking love just talking shit about movies and talking to each other and having a good time. And really, thank you so much, Destiny, for being here with us. I know you're very busy with all your productions going on, trying to gather money so this heathen can make a movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but we appreciate you. Once again, this has been William for the Snobcast, episode 26. We out. Bye.